everyone. How's it going? Welcome back to the Nintendo Prime Podcast, our rebooted podcast, episode number 29. Today is a special day because Eric Moore is here. How's it going? Good, good. Hello, everybody. And then there's, there's, there's this weird guy. I, I, I mean, he's you know a Forbes 30 Under 30 member. Can't forget 2019 edition. Mr. Tim Geddes from Kind of Funny Games. How's it going, man? You know, you guys invited me to this show, and I said yes. I said I'd be here. I said I'd talk about Nintendo with you all. You didn't prep me. You didn't tell me you were going to drop a bunch of bangers before the show that I had to listen here, bopping <laughs> my head to. That was fantastic. Whoever made that remix of all the Nintendo opening intro sounds. Oh, dude. Oh, it, it, it's it's literally one of the greatest remixes on YouTube, I swear. Right? It is. It is oh, it's hot fire. Literally, every time I play it, there's people jamming out in the chat. And they love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember how I discovered it. It was completely by accident. And I reached out to the guys like, oh, yeah, use it. I'm like, <laughs> it's great. It's really great. But thank you guys so much for having me. I'm very excited to, to be here today, hanging out with y'all. Yeah, I'm r- r- really, really excited to have you here, man. Um, so uh, for those who don't know who this guy is, he, he's from Kind of Funny Games. Also kind of funny. They got kind of a, a duality going on there for a long time after they split off from IGN back in the day. Um, yeah, they do a lot of great content. Although I do have a question for you quick. Oh, hit me. Where's the Nintendo podcast? You guys got a, a, an Xbox one, a Sony one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the thing, man. You know, over, over at kind of funny games, youtube.com slash kind of funny games. We have a many shows, many different shows. Uh, we have kind of funny games daily, which is our uh, daily news show. We have the kind of funny games cast. This kind of general reviews and previews across the industry. We have X cast, which is Xbox. And we have PS. I love you. XOXO, which is PlayStation. Our lineage really was PlayStation back at IGN specifically with Greg Miller. So that made sense for us to launch a specific PlayStation show. It wasn't until last year leading into, what is now current gen uh leading into then next gen uh with the xbox series x our boy snowbike mike was like hey i want to do this xbox podcast so we made it happen nintendo's so near and dear to my heart i'm a nintendo fanboy. i always have been i always will be um but the problem is especially in the last couple of years nintendo hasn't really given us enough content to be able to make an entire show uh when we have so many other shows that can cover the exact thing so the reality is any big Nintendo thing that happens, we're covering it on the games cast. Yeah. Like that is, that is, it's the, our covert Nintendo show that only talks about the stuff <laughs> that matters. You know, yeah. um, I'd love to do one one day. I obviously it make, it would make so much sense. Um, and especially with Janet Garcia, who works with us a lot, I'd love to, to get her on as well. But one day, maybe I don't think we have a need for it right now. Um, but trust me, we know, we know the demand is there. <laughs> I, I just had to ask. Cause I know like, you're basically the Nintendo guy of that group. Um, always have been, always will be. You know, I it, it, it was just one of those things. I'm like, I gotta ask because yeah, I know the X cast got added last year. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what's up with this? Mm-hmm. Is Tim really gonna let this fly and not not maybe push for it a little bit when when the time is right? When the time is right? Yeah, it's yeah. there's a lot of a lot of factors, a lot of factors that go into it. But I mean, a, a big thing is you know Xbox with the X cast, especially with Mike. It was like that was the first time we launched a show that was featuring people that weren't full time kind of funny employees. So that kind of allowed us a little bit more. Whereas like I don't know if I have the time today to add another <laughs> gaming show to our lineup, and I don't know if there's listeners out there that want to listen to another thing we're putting out. So. That's one true. day i mean perhaps. I, I, i'd listen but i mean i appreciate that i appreciate that <laughs> i already listened but listen to the games the- cast then because that's where we're talking about nintendo <laughs> <laughs> I, oh believe me i am i am well oh, i'm well aware i i barely have time to listen to other people's content 
But it's like you're you're uh, the games cast. Uh, every now and then I turn into the PS I love you XOXO. Um, but then also Easy Allies podcast. I listen to theirs as well. Um, usually when I'm doing other stuff in my life. Uh, but yeah, I don't yeah. have time to listen to a whole bunch these days. It was a lot easier when I was younger before I had children. Then it happens. It happens. Shout out to Easy Allies, by the way. Love oh, them yeah. so much, man. Huber, They're, baby. Let's go. I love, yeah. I love the hype, and I love your guys' shirt right now with the hype responsibly. Uh, I mean, that's we, something we, we I, I just have never been merch. able to do. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we just launched this merch. We, we've been talking hype responsibly for, gosh, has it been almost two years now we've been saying hype yeah. responsibly because. Yeah. Bottom line is, is like all these big events, like we got the Game Awards, we're about to get into that in a moment. It, it's really easy to get overhyped. Like I think like all the Switch Pro stuff that was happening all summer long and been building up for a couple of years and then all the disappointment when it was just an OLED model announced. I think a lot of that's because people weren't hyping responsibly. It's like, yeah, it could happen. It might not happen. Nintendo hasn't officially announced anything. So yeah, Bloomberg's putting out some legit reports or whatever, but let's, let's not just expect the sun and the moon. You know, let's let's wait and see what happens. And, you know, then you won't be as disappointed. I always feel yeah. like it's good to expect the least and then just be happy if you get more than that. That's kind of what yeah, I'm for the Game Awards. Being a Nintendo fan, it, it has been like that, hasn't it, for, yes. you know, our entire lives. But the thing <laughs> is, at the end of the day, it's like there's a lot of perspectives. I know that later in the show we're going to talk a, a little more in depth about this type of hype culture and all yeah. of that. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself here but or, or, ourselves but i i think that with with nintendo it, it's it's complicated you, you say the sun and the moon a lot of times we're not asking for that you know we are just kind of asking and expecting things that seem a little bit more real and like a little bit more simple and a little bit more like well no shit they will do that why wouldn't they and then when they don't we're like what why didn't they do it so it's like a, a double whammy of disappointment where it's like not only where we hyped for one thing and didn't get it. We also aren't getting what we really truly believe we should be getting. But at the end of the day, we get amazing quality video games. And yes. Nintendo I mean, has really a magic that no one else does. That's, that, that's, that is really uh, like what, what keeps us around is, uh, is that, to be honest. Because like even something simple, Bluetooth audio, being able to use headphones that are wireless. Like, yeah. Felt like should have been there day one. It was we knew there was Bluetooth. Why don't we like it's such a basic feature? And then like even what the one thing that really upset me, I guess, at the beginning of this generation, because I was really excited for Switch, was well, we're back to friend codes again. Like, I, why? Yeah. I thought you yeah. corrected that on Wii U. I, I'm I'm confused. That was like one of the good things you did on Wii U. Let's keep that. Mm-hmm. Well. Oh well. So uh let's get into what what have we been playing lately? Uh Eric. Have you even been playing anything lately? Because I know you've been hyper busy with work lately. What's yeah, been going on? No, um, I know we've been trying to get a back for blood session in. Yeah, I know that that needs to happen. Trying to, eventually. Got to finish still. that campaign up. Yeah. Um. No, I, I think the last time I played was uh, Mario Odyssey on one of my trips out to Rapid City, which next weekend, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, I'm I'm going back out. So it'll be More another game time. Another. Game uh, time. And this time I don't actually have anything planned while I'm out there for outside of work. Um, so it, it's going to be probably a little bit more gaming this time around. Yeah. So possibly finishing up Odyssey. Are you going to, are you going to bring your Xbox series X out there? To yeah, play back right. love with me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Try to log that through the <laughs> I <airport>. mean, <laughs> it might get, che- it might get checked and I was gonna say, you ask do, if it's a bomb or something. Realize, I have no idea. You do realize that I only travel with a, uh, carry on and a backpack. That's it. I don't, I don't I check back. Light, light carrier. Like it. Well, perfect for the switch. I yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Okay. I mean, uh, I already get funny looks when with pulling out two laptops, um, uh, two cell phones, uh, my Switch, and yeah. Well, it's like so, it's like it's like when we go to E3, yeah. and they always look at my stuff every single time, and they're like, "Okay, so you got a laptop, you got this this microphone, audio equipment, you got a green screen, you got a monitor. Who packs a monitor? Yeah, right. I'm, yeah dude. Like we have to live stream from the hotel room, plus do our stuff at E3, and I got to edit. Yeah. Like, yeah, we have a lot." Pack it up because we're out in Wisconsin. It's a haul to go out there to Cali, so we gotta like try to bring the whole studio with it. It's, right, it's a pain in the butt. I, I, I mean, I, airports are just doing their job, but it, it, yeah, it's, for a, sure. it's a pain in the butt. Life of a content creator, oh, man. Yeah. It gets exactly. smaller and smaller. Shout out to Elgato, man. Honestly, like they changed the game when it comes to so much of this stuff, like making it so much easier than it used to be. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like the fact that I can just pack a cam link now, like that's yeah. just. My like that's just another piece of equipment I could just not have to worry about anymore. It's so cool. absolutely. Um, all right. So, um, Tim, what have you been playing lately? You know, I've been playing. I know it's a Nintendo show, so I don't want to go too deep into this. But Halo Infinite, man. Uh, as of the day of recording this, like it is officially dropped. It is is out. Everyone can play it. If you have Game Pass, you should definitely give this thing a shot. I've been a Halo fan since day one. And uh, sitting here now, I, I can't believe what 343 has been able to pull off uh, with the campaign. Um, having a great time. have been having a great time with multiplayer the last couple months with the uh, test flights and all that. On the Nintendo side, um, I am kind of going back to, to my origins as a gamer recently. Um, I've been really kind of hyped on the Analog Pocket that's coming out. Uh, finally, finally, we're going to get our hands on it uh, later this month in December. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, I, I, I've been debating know, on whether I'm going to go pull, pull one in or not. I, I I didn't support it initially. Yeah. But I have yeah. A, yeah. I, I've been the people have been trying to convince me. So convince me. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the thing is, I, I for people that don't know, Analog Pocket Analog is this amazing company that makes retro game systems. Yep. You can play original cartridges on it, and it it, it just tries to give the ultimate um experience of how it used to be but now in modern times and this is their their game boy that they're making they announced it like early last year i want to say there's been a lot of delays because of supply issues and all that but it's finally coming out and i'm really excited and it seems to be the best way to ever play game boy games so because of that and game boy advance and, and game gear and like pretty much all the old school portable um uh games so i've been really excited for it i I can't wait for mine to to come in it fits my aesthetic i'm real big on on like white tech so uh, i got the white version there's a black one as well um but i've been like considering what am i going to play on it and i one thing that i've realized is one of my favorite games of all time that we'll get to later in this episode is super mario world 2 yoshi's island and i feel it is a game that does not get as much love as it deserves because it's it came late in the super nintendo uh life cycle and all that and at the end of the day i know it's not mario world it's not mario 3 it it feels lesser than to a lot of people it was the first video game i ever beat and so it'll always hold a special place in my heart because of that but it's not just the nostalgia it's a very high quality video game i'm going on too much about this we'll get to that <laughs> stuff later the reason i bring it up now is it was ported to the game boy advance uh yes, it was. in yep. in the form of if i want to say this correctly Super Mario Advance 3, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> they can't just make it like a collection or something. It's got to have the, the extra long name. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> Mario Advance 1 was Mario 2. Mario Advance 2 was Mario World. Mario Advance 3 was this. And then Mario Advance 4 was 3. I'm pretty it's, sure. It's kind of like the Final Fantasy numbers difference between Japan and the United States. Who, who the hell knows? 
It gets ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I loved about the game, I mean, the, that port had some issues. The colors weren't right. They added all the Yoshi story sound effects for Yoshi's voice and stuff, and it was it was irritating, not great. But they did add some exclusive levels. I think there was like six challenge levels uh, that they added, um, and they're they're super super cool and, and awesome. And I I've never played all of them because to get them you need to a hundred percent every single world every single level get every single collectible all the things and despite this being a game that i've beat more than probably any other game in existence i have never truly 100 percented it so i've been really looking forward uh, to I, doing this and i've been i, I know I, I, I how, so how much. you praise that game I'm, I'm yeah shocked. No, me too, man. Me too. But I've just never fully done it. Um, so I, I've, I've always kind of started and stopped. You know what I mean? Like I, I'd get through World 1, World 2, and then just got distracted and never went back. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I've been waiting for the analog pocket to, to get there. But here I am. I can't fucking wait. I got my, my Switch OLED. I got the Nintendo Switch Online system. And I've just been going through, trying my best to 100% it. And I am having an utter blast, man. And playing that game on the Switch OLED is chef's kiss beautiful oh those those mm-hmm. stark dark blacks i love it so much yeah and, and the thing is i don't have any other oled device in my house except for my iphone and i didn't really realize that this was a true oled screen because i always had the uh the blue filter on right so like everything kind of looks washed anyways so i turned it off and then i held it up next next to the switch oled and i was like um why don't I have more OLED panels and TVs in my house? What what's wrong with me? This is like this is the only way to game. I swear. You will never meet a bigger OLED supporter than me, man. I I have I cannot believe the technology. It is fantastic. It honestly enhances so many things. I mean, I'm talking about a game that came out in 1996. Yes. And looking at it, it I feel like I'm playing it for the first time visually. It just adds so much to the art that's there. It's how it's supposed to look. The colors are correct. And man, I've had a, I've been lucky enough to have a, an LG uh, OLED TV since 2015. Like I got it like really early because that sh- it matters to me. And I've had it ever since. And uh, pretty, anytime I can get a screen to be an OLED, I am trying my best to get it because I love it. My phone has it. My Switch has it. Like, I mean, the Vita, um, I was so stoked that it was that. The PlayStation Vita was really the first consumer OLED screen ever. Like yeah, otherwise, it was on. it was way yeah, too expensive back. Then. Wait, it was like twelve thousand dollars for like a, a tiny little thing that you could look at at a Best Buy but never actually buy. You know, um, so I'm really really stoked that we've gotten this far. Um, and I was so bummed when the Vita revision came out and they got rid of they turned it to LCD instead of OLED. I was like, no, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, it happens. Uh, so let's see. What have I been playing? It, it, it's been a, a few times. Well, today I, I booted up the Halo Infinite uh, campaign for the first time. Uh, that was fun for the little bit I played. I only got about an hour in, but it, it, it was really fun. I can see why people seem to be pretty excited about it, but we'll see how it plays out as we go. Obviously, I've been able to do the multiplayer here for a little while, um, which it, I, I think one thing that, that's benefiting Halo Infinite at this moment, at least from a multiplayer perspective, is that we've been so oversaturated with like Battle Royales to have a quality non-Battle Royale multiplayer arena-style game come out is just refreshing in the market at this exact moment. Um, and you could say, you know, some people might say, well, yeah, but what about like a normal Call of Duty? Well, there's a lot of reasons people aren't really caring about Call of Duty at this exact moment um, with everything going on at that company. So uh, it's nice to have something that actually plays well. I know that it's not perfect, guys, I know, 
There are some people complaining about like certain colors and skins being locked behind spending money, and I, I, I hear you. Welcome to gaming. I hear you. Like red and blue, I think is like locked, and like that's like a classic Halo, like the red blue. But hey, you know what? At least it plays well. That's what I really care about. Um, so that was that was something I've been diving into lately. Uh, I've actually <laughs> because of uh my viewers out there uh, wanted to torture me. Um, I've been playing Pokemon Brilliant Diamond uh, because, of course, they had a vote on that to be the thing I'm playing on my game stream. Uh, and now I'm playing it until I at least beat the main story. I ain't planning to catch all the Pokemon, get all the shinies. I just do not care about spending time with a game that I'm really not enjoying. So <laughs> let me let me stop you there. So you're saying that, that they're torturing you. Are you not a Pokemon person or are you specifically uh, not enjoying these games? So I loved Gen 1 and Gen 2 absolutely gold mm-hmm. silver and red blue yellow uh, the, amazing I, I really was into that generation spent mm-hmm. huge chunk of my childhood yeah. playing those games early adult playing those, like awesome but then as it got into like generation three and then brilliant diamond shiny pearl or, or diamond and pearl at the time and moving into all the other ones black and white and everything else in between because there's so many damn pokemon games i didn't like a lot of the changes um i felt like it was taking something at that time anyways, this is how I felt back then, that was simple and meant to be this really simple, fun RPG mechanic and starting to overcomplicate it um, by all the different things they added in uh, to now get the best Pokemon in the game. Um, Shinies, as, just as an example, like that wasn't a thing in Gen 1. You didn't get Shinies. There wasn't like hatching eggs and like, you know, trying to get the best combos of things and having all the Gen 2, though, yeah. brought all that. Yeah, I know. So, like, I was really into Pokemon. And in some regards, I still am in some cases. Like, I was all over new Pokemon Snap. I was so thrilled with that one because I've been waiting 20 years for a sequel. And what I felt was one of the best games of my childhood on the N64 that I don't know that anybody played. <laughs> oh, everyone <laughs> played it. Uh, that time at least yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean just like just like i still miss stadium and coliseum I, I, I wish we had something like that still um and i thought like you know the the pocket tournament you know stuff like that was all fine um and i'm really like honestly the most hyped i've been for a pokemon game is, is upcoming legends arceus because it finally looks like all right we're actually going to do something fresh and different with the franchise instead of just reiterating the same thing but then adding extra layers of complexity on top um which by the way, as I'm discovering in Brilliant Diamond Shiny Pearl, there might be a lot of complexities, but unless you're in the competitive scene, it really doesn't matter. Um, because you can just pretty much Shrek the whole game with your starter Pokemon, and it doesn't really matter. Um, so it, what, what, what's, what I'm not enjoying about it at the moment is that, and this is maybe this is just because I'm older and I've played so many RPGs over the years now, um, that it's just too easy. I don't Because I don't care about the competitive side, so if I just care about the game it's just too easy for me um so i'm like going through and it's like okay i'm grinding i'm fighting the trainers i'm going through the same story that feels really similar to every other pokemon game i've played you know i know there's an elite four i know you know okay team galactic they're like okay that's like the team rocket replacement same difference um it just feels very it i understand that it's a remake of an older game so like or a remake remaster i don't even know what you want to call it at this point um but it's just it, it's not clicking with me and i i i've had this talk before with, i don't know what's what happened like what happened when gen 3 hit and i just nope i'm good 
And since then, I've tried several times to get back in. Now I'm forcing myself to beat this because of my <laughs> the request of the fans. But and like torture is a bit of an overstatement. I wouldn't say it's torture. It's just I'd rather be playing something else. Uh, it's whatever. I'll be done with it for the end of the month, anyways. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I used it, it feels weird because I was such a mega Pokemon fan, and then it just I don't know. I guess I'll wait for another trading card game like they had on Game Boy back in the day. I like that one a lot too. So like I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, something just isn't click. And I know it's like the same they, for Eric here. Like they, something just doesn't click anymore. They lost me when they you know originally started bashing me, bashing me over the head with the gotta catch them all. And then we expanded and expanded and expanded it to the point where now it's almost you know impossible to catch them all. Well, there's no national decks and, anymore, so I guess you yeah, can say right. you got easier to catch them all. Yeah. But I mean, I thought I thought they should have had each individual um, generation its own standalone. Not two, be able to carry Pokemon over. Yeah, <laughs> its own two it's two two standalone like generational games. This is like this is have, how you know you you haven't been a Pokemon blue. fan for a long time. That 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 mere idea would just piss off everybody who plays. Pokemon. If it never happened, that's why the national decks was such a controversy because. You know, but I mean, if they had never favorites. started that. Nobody well, yeah, I suppose if they, if they never started it, that expectation wouldn't be there, and it would be okay. I, I could see that. I mean, because the, then at that point, you're kind of treating it like a Zelda game or like a Mario game. It's all standalone. Every game's on its own. Like, mm-hmm. It might be a sequel, but you don't need to play any. You got your, ones. you got your, your two, your red, your blue, your black and white, your diamond pearl. You know, those are their own core games. Ruby Sapphire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where I think they lost me. Sure. The, I, I do have a question for you. Though. Yeah. Did you enjoy? Let's go. Yes, because I was Gen it, it One. Felt back yep. to Gen One. It brought back nostalgia. So, well, yeah, nostalgia's a, nostalgia's yeah. a big factor in yeah. enjoying a game like that. Yeah, yeah, especially especially Pokemon. I'm keeping a little quiet here, uh, just because I want I want you guys to to give your thoughts here. Um, I am a similar but different to where you guys are at. Where I am somebody that considers myself a huge Pokemon fan. Um, but I, I've played every mainline Pokemon game. I've beaten every mainline Pokemon game. Um, but it, I am in a similar boat as you guys as, you know, I'm definitely Gen 1, Gen 2 are my faves. I was born in 1989, so that adds up that I was like eight years old when this thing first dropped uh, and was as obsessed as you could possibly be, the target demo, right? Um, but I still really enjoyed um, the the games going forward from that uh but playing brilliant diamond and pearl like i i'm i'm not going to complete these games like in our review uh, like we were saying like it's there's something about it that is boring to me i'm not into it gen 4 was never my favorite to begin with i enjoy it there are elements of it that are fantastic i think when you look at all the pokemon generations like post 2 and not to say that 2 is perfect because it's definitely not that is a game from 1998 that like they still weren't really quite sure what they were doing but um every gen adds something and it's a cool idea, but then I feel like the next gen, they'll take it away and they'll add something else. There's a lot of gimmicky stuff. It doesn't always work together. Um, something I really do appreciate, though, about Gen 4 is they treat their Elite 4 a little better than in a lot of the other generations have and has uh, some great characters. And I think that character is what... Uh, really can make a Pokemon story special. So it's not just the same thing over and over and over. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's the same thing. It, the eight badges, the the Elite Four, you're choosing a starter. It's always the same types so of fire, water, and grass, right? Like, mm-hmm. been there, done that, we know. And to a certain extent, that's our fault for being 30-plus-year-old men <laughs> right. playing these games yeah, again. Yeah. But there's another side to me where I'm like, I don't buy that because Blue 
your rival Gary in Pokemon Red and Blue was an asshole. Yes. Can we can we say that on the show? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're fine. Oh yeah. yeah we, cool. We can swear cool. 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 In Gen Two, your rival was an even bigger asshole. Like they were actually a bad person. Like they, yeah, you, Gary you, was just kind of like a, like a jerk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I feel like from Gen Three onward till now, the rivals are always kind of like the dorky weird friend that like is annoying as hell, but like you don't, it, it almost reaches a point that it's not a rival. It's almost, you're like, I, I just don't even want to talk to you. Like, I don't even want to battle you, bro. Like get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. that's exactly what I feel like in, in really diamond right now. Like I name, I name my rival his, his name and it's like, okay, well, yep. You, you, you pop up here and there, you dip out, you act like you have ADD. And I, I honestly just do not care. Like you, they could eliminate you from the game, and I would just be cool with that. Who like, let the spaz in? I had more fun. I had more fun. Like, uh, what was it that Dawn or whoever it was that I helped navigate through the forest to the one town? I was like, I had more fun with you. At least you were like battled with me and stuff. I mean, I didn't need you to. Your chancy was cool. I was like, I didn't, didn't didn't really need your help, but hey, whatever. At least it felt more interactive and and and, and something different that wasn't there in the you know first couple of generations. But yeah, man, I, I think they. Based on my experience, they ruined the, the the concept of a rival, um, mm-hmm. and I don't really know that's a big driving factor for Pokemon anymore. Going up through Sword and Shield now, but uh, I mean, the problem is to me it is, and well, I, I don't want to go more, on too long about the, the point of it. I it's a problem the motive, because yeah. they yeah. still have them, and they, they're still a core part of these experiences, yes. these games. Like something that I really loved about uh, Sun and Moon, um, which weren't my favorite Pokemon games for, by any means, but I did like that they broke up the format enough so that it was something different we're kind of having these challenges i don't think the challenges are that great is the problem but what it did in on in addition everyone always talks about um how sun and moon is great because it at least is something different while that's all true it also did something that i loved more than anything about gen 2 is, and that it connected these regions i love when you're in one region and they're talking about other regions the fact that you beat uh red and blue and you're in kanto and then you play gen 2 and you're in Johto. Going back to Kanto, it's two years later that there's been growth in this world is lived in. What's Koga up to? Oh, man, he's no longer a gym leader. He's now in the Elite Four. It felt like a world that was growing, whereas Gen 3, 4, 5, 6, it really kind of just feels like, yeah, we're just making another game. And everyone has their first game. And I'm yeah. sure that people feel the same way I do about the OGs as they do the new gens. Yeah. But to me, I appreciate that Sun and Moon, to an extent, talked about Kanto a lot, right? Like They would yeah. like reference characters like that you'd see red and blue in it it felt a little more connected and i i I really like that type of um world building because it's a world man like Mm -hmm. if we're going to catch them all and if we're going to have all this stuff i i like when we get these uh connected characters it kind of just feels a little bit like going through the motions when here's another professor here's another rival here's another blah 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 you guys know what i'm saying oh yeah oh yeah all right um, I don't know if I've really been playing much else. I'm I'm like in a Madden 22 league, but no one wants to hear about that. It's Madden, same thing <laughs> right. every year. Um, which yeah. I, I mean, part of me feels like Pokemon sometimes is the same thing every year. But although I mean, they they do some different things. It's yeah. just a, a lot of remakes. They're, they've kind of got this cycle now. Like for the last five years, we've had a new Pokemon game. Um, we'll be five for five technically for a little bit because of Legends Arceus. But I true Legend Arceus. We'll save that conversation for January because that's. I feel like we're getting a blow off for that pretty soon here. So that's going to be, that's going to be really exciting there. Um, so I guess let's get into our uh, first big topic of the day. Um, and that is the game awards, which guys happens tomorrow night. Like, holy cow. I, it, it's here. And yeah. 
what's crazy about the Game Awards is at least this year, it almost feels like it might be the biggest gaming event of the year. It already was sort of building up to that over the years since it got to the point where Sony backed out of E3, and now this is the only event that has all three major platform holders potentially showing games. They're all there, at least. They're all acknowledged. Um, plus all the other major publishers and indies devs getting mixed in there as well. Uh, maybe not as much the indie devs compared to like an indie world or you know the other indie events from the other competitors out there, but uh, they're still there. They still get recognized. Um, I mean, so I don't know if you saw, but Keeley was a couple days ago, or maybe it was even today, saying on Twitter like they're like we're repping the indies. Like it's oh, not yeah. just big guys. Like we're repping them, and like that's awesome. That's and that's mad, and that's mad respect because I feel like especially during uh, this year, especially, I think in general, um, really felt like for a lot of the year, it's really the indie devs that were kind of carrying the story of gaming because, you know, obviously there was all the, you know, we had like what, the medium earlier on Xbox, like way early in the year. And then you had your normal games come up and then Returnal on PlayStation. Okay, that's cool. But there wasn't a lot happening in between these releases for most of these companies. But there was a lot of indie games coming up. The indies were kind of trying to take advantage of the scene a little bit, which I, I don't think it was intentional. I think the indie games are coming out every year. Um, but it felt like a year where it, it was time for, at least from my perspective, for gamers, especially from Nintendo's perspective. When well, that's the thing. is, I, I think from Nintendo's perspective, you're absolutely correct. I think from the industry at large, um, I think that especially being a PlayStation fan, like there's been a lot, man, with Ratchet and Clank, with Deathloop, sure, yeah. with Returnal, with like their, their rate of releases has been but pretty really damn impressive and, and badass for a while now it, it's I, i've mm-hmm. actually been really impressed with sony um really since like i guess year three of playstation 4 and on it feels, it yeah. feels like they really hit a stride and it just hasn't stopped it's admirable man it, it has not stopped it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon and you know going back to the nintendo side like Take oh note, i will i will never ever forget how emotionally fulfilling 2017 was for oh, right. like uh, the switch being announced and that it was being like whoa it's actually it is the thing we all were talking about it is both a portable and home system nintendo is going to only have one system they're going to make games for instead of having to divide it between two so for the first time ever per- perhaps we'll be able to get a cadence of releases that actually makes sense for a system as opposed to two systems that don't have enough releases. And then 2017 happened and then 2018 and then 2019. And we're just like, Oh my God, Nintendo, they did it. They did it. Mario Odyssey, breath of the wild, Mario Kart 8 deluxe, right? Boom, 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 all this stuff. And then, you know, animal crossing and then it's been kind of quiet <laughs> yeah, yeah but then we got metroid dread so i can't oh, even yeah. complain yeah that's the thing that's the thing when they like come back with the metroid dread, i mean yeah bowser's fury came out in between that was fine hyrule Warriors, amazing i oh, love uh, i love bowser's fury it, yeah bowser's fury i it, it's so good that i almost wish they split it off from 3d world i, I love 3d world yep. but it's mm-hmm. like it it almost feels like i think a lot of people missed i'm playing that totally. game because it was tied to a game oh i already have that on wii u do i really want to spend 60 bucks just to experience what this tiny little side game is—it's so tiny, but it could have been expanded mm-hmm. and built into a whole. And, and I'm, I'm of mind it might have been an experimental thing for the next Mario game, but we'll we'll have to wait and see because absolutely it, feel, it does feel kind of weird. We haven't really had a new mainline Mario release since Odyssey back in 2017, and we're almost in 2022. Like, I mean, yo, dude, I I don't know why I'm even gonna put this out in the world because like I think it's crazy for me to say, but I have a feeling in my soul. The 2021, sorry, 2022 is going to be 
the next 2017 mm-hmm. for Nintendo. I, and I think that we're going to get I don't think you're crazy. Pokemon Legends. I think we're going to get Breath of the Wild 2. I think we're going to get Mario Odyssey 2. And I think we're going to get Mario Kart 9. Oh, okay, that's the one. Oh, that, that's yeah. the one that it's like yeah. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe just became the best-selling Mario Kart of all time. Um, and, I, and I have this in the back of my I've, I, I've been wanting Mario Kart 9 for a while because, I mean, I played the hell out of Mario Kart 8 back on the Wii U. So for me, I understand that Wii U didn't sell very well. So for a lot of people, Switch is the platform for Mario Kart 8. But, man, Mario Kart 9, it, 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 it's such a system seller. It's mm-hmm. such a, a massive game. And that's one reason why I'm like, well, look how well 8 Deluxe did for Switch. I am keep thinking, are they just going to save it to launch the next platform? Because it would be a sick launch game. Dude, here's, here's my thoughts on this. And I've talked about this a lot on our shows. But I've been playing, just like you, Mario Kart 8, an amazing video game. Potentially, in my opinion, for sure, the best Mario Kart game. Oh, yeah. Um, date, since 2013. Since 2013, we've been playing this game. Eight years. Eight years we've been playing Mario Kart 8 or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, right? Yeah. I have 100%ed both versions of this, all of that, right? Where we're at now. Mario Kart 8 continues to dominate the sales charts and all that stuff. And I understand the argument of like, why would they make another one? This one's selling so well. And to anyone making that argument, I want you to think about it just a little bit. If it's selling so well, why not make another one? You know what I mean? <laughs> Call of Duty sells well. Guess what they do? They make another one. Yeah. Yeah, why wait stop? for the sales to die out? Which, yeah. by the way, it's a very Nintendo thing. We've talked yeah. about this mm-hmm. on the show. It's a very Nintendo thing to wait for sales to die before they do something. I think that's actually hurt them when their platform transitions because they just let it die out, then think they can just reinvigorate when everyone's already moved on. Uh, that was the issue, I think, with the Wii. Um, and that was, I think that's been an issue with the, going from the NES, NES, N64, and GameCube, where we saw each successor one sell less and less. Is they didn't release the new one until nobody really cared about the current one. NES was a little bit of an exception because they carried that one a lot into this NES era, and that maybe that affected this NES a bit. Um, but, I mean, that was, that, that, those, that was like the... I don't know if you want to call it the golden days, but that was the early days. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the beginning of console gaming, folks. I I might not have been alive, you know, when the Atari and all that stuff was a big deal. The Commodore sixty four, like I get it, but um, that was like the golden era when Nintendo brought it back and really made it mega popular. Um, so I don't blame them for carrying that the NES for a little bit longer. Nintendo had no idea what they were doing at the time. So, uh, but since then, I feel like they always let things die out, and they do this with their games well, as well. Um, I mean, just look, a lo- look at the length of time there usually is between Zelda releases, like brand new ones. Um, well, to be fair, Zelda games traditionally haven't sold all that well, right? Yeah, like, I know. Th- Isn't I think that weird? Like every now and then an you int- get a banger that hits six, seven million. And then, oh, the next one sold three. Next one sold yeah. a couple. And, and I mean, Breath of you the know, Wild of nowhere. One of, one of the craziest facts, and I, I bring this up a lot, is uh, the older games, like the scale at which games sell nowadays. Games are mainstream now in a way that they weren't then. I don't think that that's a crazy thing to say. No. Um, and evidence of that is, do you guys know how much Chrono Trigger sold? Not off the, off top, the top of your head? No. no. Take a guess. How, how many millions do you think? Uh, the original release odds. Mm-hmm. Probably half. I, I, half I think a mil? Sold, I, I think it sold like 2.5. I... It was around one million. Around one, wow! Is what is what I is that what game I remember. Is so good, it deserved way more sales than that. And, but like we talk about it, and it is a classic. It's an amazing video game. Uh, it went on to sell two point three one million, and that's over time with the re-releases and with oh, everything that, and, that, and all that stuff, everything. right? Okay. But like, isn't that just absolutely insane? That like the sales numbers were that low back then. Mm-hmm. But like for the, some of the most classic games of all time. Just the I, scale has changed with everything. But having said that, 
even with this change scale, Zelda games until Breath of the Wild have never been these gangbuster sales number beasts. And I think the Switch has changed the, the Nintendo scale. We've seen it franchise after franchise after franchise. Yes, highest selling Fire Emblem, highest selling Kirby. Absolutely. We're going to see it with everything, right? Metroid is, this will be the highest selling Metroid game. And it's like, when you look at that, that's why I take it back to Mario Kart and I'm like, all right, you have so many millions of Switches out there. And if everyone and their mom and their daughter and their sister and their brother bought Mario Kart 8 Deluxe to play on their Switch in 2017, guess what? They'll buy it again now when it's Mario Kart 9 for that yep. Switch they already own or the Switch Lite they brought their they bought their little sister or the Switch OLED that you want an excuse to buy. <laughs> right. Come on. Yeah, my excuse is I'm a YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, by the way, I'm absolutely thrilled I have it, but. Like as a general consumer, I probably would have never bought it since I already had a Switch. But I mean, I did the OLED screen does make that big of a difference. It's just not something that I don't know that I could justify three hundred fifty bucks for. You know. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about tomorrow is we obviously have no idea what Nintendo is going to do. Clearly, um, we almost never have any real idea of what they're going to do uh, at the Game Awards. They they've been surprising over the. Um, sometimes they, they they tease. Sometimes like they tease the that they were going to announce like Challenge Fighter Eight. I think last year um, at at the Game Awards they teased it the day of the Game Awards that that was going to be unveiled there. And I think that was I think it was Sephiroth that got unveiled for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they but they've had a presence at almost every single Game Awards. But they've had at least one game they show off. Um, Funky mode, baby. Off there twice. <laughs> Breath of the Wild was shown off there twice because of all the delays with that. Um, but it was like the showing of Breath it of was, the Wild. It was, oh yeah, like the very first actual gameplay. Ga- mm-hmm. Game Awards 2014, like the very first Game Awards. Boom. Yeah, we're showing off. We had Breath that. We had the the funky mode being added to <laughs> Donkey Kong Country That's... Tropical Freeze. Uh, no, you know what? That's what was that? What it was? I, I that I think you're thinking. Are you thinking of the Cranky no, Kong announcement that Cranky happened Kong. at the Spike one? That, that's that. what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Cranky Kong yeah, the, the, being playable. The, the thing that co- basically I feel like caused the downfall of Spike TV ever doing Game Awards again, which actually ended up being a <laughs> well, good thing in the end. <laughs> I think the downfall there was, was Spike a, there TV. There was a lot of bad things. That, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, there was that. And then Joker obviously being a Smash was such a mega moment. Like Game Awards and Nintendo have went hand in hand for, for many years. But I do think that it, it's difficult um, and foolish to try to look for patterns because you're right. Nintendo's unpredictable. So I am equally like, oh, they're going to announce the release date for and, and title for Breath, Breath of the Wild oh, 2 yeah. tomorrow. Awesome. And I'm also like, there's definitely no chance no to do it. It is 50-50. Right. Like, who the hell knows? Well, it's like you said. Like, you're on this path that, like, 20, like 2022 is going to be, like, a repeat of 2017. Like, one game you didn't even mention, Splatoon 3. Splatoon 2 dropped in 2017. Amazing It's going to sell 10 million-plus copies next year. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it might even outsell Splatoon 2 now because there's so many more switches on the market. It will. It's already it one will. of the biggest games in Japan. It's, like, it's already going to blow up there. I mean, Japan at this point is basically the country of Nintendo gamers because, maybe, I mean, just nothing's really selling. Every now and then you'll see like a Sony game pop up on the charts when it first comes out and then it just vanishes after a week. Um, crazy. It's great. I mean, even the Xbox has actually gained a little bit of ground over there. Huh. I'm actually, mm-hmm. I, I've been very surprised to see Xbox kind of growing in Japan um, considering how poor Xbox One and 360 did over uh, but uh, when you look towards next year, like when you think about what could N- Nintendo do at the Game Awards, I have no clue. But I know that Nintendo's not stupid, and they know that there's more eyeballs on this single event than there pretty much is anything else that happens. I mean, even E3's numbers this year 
weren't super impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Summer Game Fest did get better by Jeff Keighley. That that was nice, but even then, last year wasn't it like a hundred, no, eighty three million people watched the Game Awards or something last year, and they're project, projecting over a hundred million this year. Uh, so it's literally the biggest eyeball event. And now, can't forget, Switch is in China now, and that's a big market right now with the Game Awards that they gained last year. So Nintendo's got a reason to also market to them. So it's going to be interesting because we already know about a bunch of big games. I mean, we didn't even talk about like Sparks of Hope is coming from Ubisoft. Like, that's, I mean, people might think, oh, it's not that big a deal. You guys know, like, the original one sold like 8 million, 8.5? Yeah. Like, it, it, it wasn't a slouch. Like, it, it outsold uh, every uh, Zelda game that ever exists. What Breath of the Wild? Yeah, that, was, that was 2017. Look, 2022. Yeah, 2017. Gonna be that's a remake. A, yeah. It looks yeah. like it's repeating. And the thing is, these are the games we already know. So then, does that lead us to. We're all thinking it's setting up for Breath of the Wild 2 to be released. Is this where it comes in with Odyssey 2? Well, I keep thinking. The, the, I think the one reason some people have some confidence in Breath of the Wild 2 is because they said Breath of the Wild 2 is launching next year. Um, and this presumes they don't keep the tradition of they announce a launch year then delay it because that's what they've done with Zelda forever. <laughs> uh, but assuming they actually hit that target year, well, then it wouldn't really make sense to be at the Game Awards. If it's at the Game Awards next year, it would be for an award for probably up for game of the year or something like that as long as they didn't botch it which i don't think anybody thinks nintendo's gonna botch a zelda game they usually don't uh so they do have a lot i will say they do have a lot of pressure on the method breath of the wild they really set that mm-hmm. bar at a level that zelda's never been under that kind of pressure so we'll see well, what happens it's always rated really well we're always reviewed really well but yeah even skyward sword that some people don't like like it was still a 90 plus reviewed game yeah, I mean, I think that what the scale was just different. Where yeah. back in the Ocarina days on N sixty four, like that, that was transformative, right? And like them going to Majora, I think they proved that they got the sauce. They know what they're doing, and I, I'm hoping that Breath of the Wild two uh, kind of follows that trajectory of like, yo, we know what we're doing, and it's gonna be what you think, but it's also not gonna be that at all. Well, you know, what I love too is like. One of the big things they broke in Breath of the Wild from like they broke a lot of traditions, but like, oh yeah, the green garb isn't isn't even a straight part up of anything. Yeah. Oh, you could find it if you want, it's but blue. You, it doesn't matter. It's blue. Blue's our color. And like you get to this game and all of a sudden here's Link falling out of the sky looking like a Greek god. And I'm mm-hmm. like, What? Uh, okay. Like they literally just do not care about Zelda traditions anymore. They're just gonna make the best goddamn game they, they can without any restrictions. And I love yeah. that. I think that's always been as a big Zelda fan, that's always been something that, as much as I've loved every single Zelda game, I also felt like they kind of felt tied to the traditions. Um, and the moment they broke free from them, it was like, oh, here you go. Here's what Zelda could have been this whole time if we just kept the Zelda 1 concept going forward and didn't start to... Which wasn't necessarily bad. Like, Link to the Past, all those games ended up being really fantastic. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's just a very different kind of game and really opened up the audience, uh, which is... Something that I'm very curious to see uh, if Dread ends up opening up the audience for Metroid Prime 4. Um, yeah. Because Metroid's always been very, despite getting a, a decent number of releases over the years, it's never been you know, a really big seller at all. I mean, Oh, no. Kirby, God, no. It sells at Kirby levels, and Kirby only sells a couple million. So some Kirby games outsell Metroid. So it, it's... Yeah. And we got, oh, yeah, Kirby's Forgotten Land, too. God, yeah. you can't even forget that. I... I I'm not even sure what that game is at this point. Yeah, I mean, 3D we'll Kirby. I got it. It's 3D Kirby, which is exciting in and of itself, but I've never seen 3D Kirby. So let's see what happens. 
Yeah. Feels like a game that should have existed back in the N64, to be honest. Well, Kirby and the Crystal Shards, right? On N64, they yeah. like kind of wanted it to be that, and then yeah. it ended up not being that at all. It was yeah. more 2.5D Yoshi Story style. Yeah, people were and hoping for there... it because we got, what, Mario 64, and they're like, oh, if they're doing that with Mario, they're going to do it with everything. Look, they did it with Zelda. Eh, yeah. They didn't quite pull that off with Kirby, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not the biggest Kirby fan, so we'll see how this all goes. But Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not a huge Kirby guy either. Um, like, basically, I, I've played... Well, I played, I think, Star Allies and stuff. Yeah, but, that, was, that was fun. But, um, I mean, to me, the only one that I really say that I'd ever replay at this point is, like, Return to Dreamland. But that's, what, like, every, that's almost feels like a cop-out at this point. Because that's, like, the one game that everyone remembers. Like, oh, yeah, well, everything keeps being based on that. We should break from tradition. Well, they're breaking from tradition. So let's let's, let's see what happens with that game. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe they do something. Because it's like, hey, look. The Switch feels like a boundary breaker. It's it launched with a Breath of the Wild that broke the boundaries of Zelda. Um, I won't say that Mario Odyssey necessarily broke boundaries. It did a lot of really cool things, but I mean, I think Galaxy was probably a bigger boundary breaker uh, than that. Um, and Galaxies were fantastic. Like, those games are amazing. Um, and then you know now we have Pokemon trying to break from tradition with Legends Arceus. Um, so we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, by the way. There's supposedly a new Xenoblade games in the work too, and that was a 2017 game. So, yeah, I, I have no Let's idea. See. I mean, it, it's looking like next year. I mean, just in general for all the platforms, 2022 is looking massive. Yeah, um, potentially. I, I still think that it, it is not rocket science to say, but like we're still in a pandemic. And yes. anything can happen, yeah. and do not oh. trust any single date being said. Yep. Any, it's just who knows. It's take it with a with a grain of salt times a bazillion. Uh, but here we are, yep. on the and day of release of Halo Infinite. Like, think about that. It, it happened. They did they it. Did. They actually they did. released they actually the game. Have. Not only did they release it, they released the multiplayer early, like yep. <laughs> early from the delay. But and for still, free for like, everyone, not just Game Pass people. Mm-hmm. Like that. That was the exciting thing to me. I'm like, yeah, I have Game Pass. It's whatever, but it's free for everyone. Oh. Well, that was a really smart idea. They've never done that with Halo. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing though that that I hope makes it to date is Sonic. So they had that Sonic celebration earlier this year, and good old Jeff Keighley is doing his best uh, to not make people hype responsibly because um, he's got to hype up. Oh yeah. His event. <laughs> Even though he did tell yeah. people, he did tweet out. 90% of the rumors or whatever you're hearing about the game awards are just bullshit. He was letting people know, like he was telling them to hype responsibly without saying the word. But then he's like, Oh, by the way, we have Jim Carrey and we're unveiling the Sonic two trailer for the movie that's coming out in April that we haven't even seen yet. Uh, with a poster drop that happened today, which my mm. Lord, that, mm. Oh, that is such a Dude. callback. Here's the thing, man. Like, I, I'm a mega Game Awards fan. I love them. I love the work Jeff does. Obviously, it's not perfect, but I literally think that it is the greatest example of um, anything close to this that we have ever seen, and I'm so happy it exists. It is the one platform that you'll see Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft all on one stage. That is unheard of, ever. And mm-hmm. it is now commonplace. It is something we can expect every year, and every year just gets bigger and better. And with rare exception, obviously, last year was last year, so... It was a little bit different, but even then they had hype moments. There was big deals. We know going into this, we're getting the Sonic movie, Sonic 2 movie trailer. Mm-hmm. We're getting the Halo Paramount Plus show trailer. We're going to get uh, our first actual look at Sonic Frontiers. Yeah. In my opinion, that's already three things that I'm excited to see. 
It's already that's not even including all of the uh, surprises and shit. So I'm like, right. we're going to have a dope show for yeah. sure. Well, then Jeff Keighley comes out. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have like three or four games, the level of the Elden Ring gameplay that they had prior show. And it's like, okay, like that was literally one of the biggest things that I think ever happened at the Game Awards. And you're telling me we're going to have like three, four, five things to that level. And I presume Sonic Frontier might be one of those things. Because no. Ah, no. you never know. You no, never know. that's not one of them. That's not one you of them. You don't think it's one of them? He wouldn't, they wouldn't talk about that before it happened. Like they, He wants to keep the hype and surprise. He okay. knows that Sonic Frontiers is a known quantity. He knows it's going to speak to an audience. He's not talking okay. about that when he's, when he's saying those type of announcements. And I also think that we have to keep in mind that the Elden Ring gameplay was like so incredibly hype because people were waiting for the yes. gameplay itself. But like... It's not like it was a game announcement. We knew Elden Ring was a thing, well, which yeah. is why people were excited well, yeah. for well, it. I mean, so, that, that's why, like, if Breath of the Wild 2 was one of those games where you get the first real gameplay, it's like, that's an yeah. Elden Ring moment. That that would be mega hype. 20-plus million seller potential here, you know? You gotta... Oh, absolutely. All I'm saying is, like, I don't think that the, oh, three or four things on the level of Elden Ring means three or four things that are the most crazy, exciting, you'll never expect this coming announcements ever. I think it's more in line of, like, hey... The thing that you really hope is here might be here. No, yeah. and that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's, and I, that's what me as a Zelda fan is. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on. Yeah, to, right? I'm, I'm holding on. Like I fully expect that it'll be like a Zelda medley or something. Because he said he he said he did mention that they'd be recognizing various anniversaries. And I he loves his music and he's got his mm-hmm. orchestra there. So I presume Killer. there's probably gonna be some Zelda stuff, some Sonic music, some oh, maybe some Metro. It'll be probably some grand medley, you know, for a bunch of different anniversaries. Because this is like a big. There's a lot of anniversaries this year. Yeah, it was. Oh, it's insane. Um, but uh, let me see. So we he confirmed the Sonic stuff. Um, he also teased something that apparently he's been working on. I, he didn't necessarily say it was a reveal, but some sort of thing he wanted to show that he's been working with the company for like two and a half years to get it at the show. Um, and that's where, again, a lot of Zelda fans got hyped because two and a half years ago was the original unveiling of Breath of the Wild 2. Doesn't mean it's going to be that. Could be literally a game that's never been announced. Could be properties from a billion different places that have been you know, kind of teased and poked at uh, for a while. I mean, there's also Metroid Prime 4, which ended up getting rebooted. If it was a Nintendo thing, maybe it's that because we have no idea what the hell Metroid Prime 4 is going to be because it got development hell, got rebooted, and now we don't know. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what it is. Um, one thing I think is working in the favor of the Game Awards this year, too, uh, is that as the world is like slowly kind of coming out of a pandemic and kind of getting back to normal not everywhere oh there's new variants and new crazy things going on out there but as it feels like we're starting to come out it also feels like there's a lot of really great things that we're aware of on the horizon now whether or not forbidden west is mm-hmm. oh but presuming that doesn't get another delay which i i really hope it doesn't because i finally got around to playing the original one and yeah it was, that was a damn good game uh, oh yeah so, like that that's hype for next year um and and honestly i think that missing this year is probably why microsoft has so like there's like this narrative i've, I've seen maybe it's just a twitter narrative and twitter has a, its own narratives for everything these days but like a lot of uh gaming journalists like being accused of being like xbox fanboys right now and it's like well xbox is killing it right now what, would you expect them just to ignore that fact like sony doesn't have a major game at this exact moment out and Nintendo hasn't had, you know, their major stuff happened in October. You know, you have a Shin Megami Tensei 5 last month, but that's great. But it's not like a super popular IP. And Pokemon Brilliant Diamond is just a remake. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's capturing people right now? Forza Horizon 5 that just 
blew people's minds with its visuals and its gameplay on everything, even from Xbox, even the Xbox One version. It's like, damn, is that like this isn't a game we thought was possible on Xbox One? Um, and then obviously Halo Infinite ended up actually being a good game when it was in development hell. And we a got great an update game. on that from Jason like, Schreier, who's who told us how much development hell it was in, and yet somehow we got a good game out of all that. So <sighs> don't worry about the Xbox bias, folks. The media is just going where the narratives are at the moment. The narrative is game. Xbox is doing really well right now. We gotta acknowledge it. Video games are in a great place. And I feel like if you are a gamer, it, there's been no better time across the board, especially when you look at the big three of Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. Each one of them is bringing something unique and different to this generation. And I think that they are really killing it in their own ways. Um, and yeah, you know, people are going to have their thoughts and the console war stuff is so silly to me. I think that the mm-hmm. biggest reason yeah. for the console war is the people that don't have the luxury of being able to own every console and be able to play yes. everything. And that's a lot of people, but that is a perfect thing for me of looking at it and be like, well, then no one should be upset at what Xbox is doing because they're trying their best to make sure anybody can play this on their computer or on their Xbox or on their old Xbox or in the cloud or on their phone or this yeah. or that. Like, yeah. The future is looking really damn bright for these type of things. And uh, I, I think that the more high-quality games that can be made that more people can get access to is mm-hmm. only a good thing. And the moment that you are able to be privileged enough to have access to any game you want, you start to realize like that console wars are stupid. And the only, only good thing about them is there is a kind of fun going back to what we're talking about earlier rivalry between people of like, let's bring some heat. You know what I mean? Like, let's have some fun together. Like I miss the days of the Sega Nintendo kind of Sonic Mario rivalry that it was like, they're dropping quality, literally an official ad. Yeah. Like that that was awesome back then. And then you even had even like more recently, I'll never forget the shade thrown by Sony, the Xbox with the Xbox One versus PlayStation 4 reveal at that E3. And like, oh, do you own your games? Do you not own your games? How do you share your games with friends? And the mixed message Xbox One and then you know the, the Sony's like, and this is how you share your game with friends <laughs> on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. It was like yeah. it was clear shade thrown, but it's all in good fun. Um, you know, I don't think Sony meant anything bad. It was just taking well, I mean, advantage of fair, a situation to Microsoft market themselves. Microsoft brought that on themselves. So. Well, they did. That, 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 was, was, that was a messy yeah. E3 for them. This, uh, it, it's like you're getting different, like, what was it, Don Matrick at the time? Like, just different messaging from him, and then the people under him with different messaging. No one, is this a multimedia box? Is it a game console first? Like, what is this thing? You know, HDMI pass-through for your cable box. Like, what, what are we talking about here? Why are you packing Connect in? That doesn't make any sense. That should be op- it, was, it was just weird back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, one thing uh, that you know, I-, I think it's overlooked sometimes with the actual game awards is that it's an award show. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the awards. I-, I-, I obviously think they can always be done better every year. Um, I've kind of had the same criticism every year of how some awards just can- kind of rushed through and rambled through, um, and or forgotten, or just forgotten. There was one year where an award wasn't even announced, um, and it didn't show up on their website till like two days later. Um, it was really weird, um, and and there are a lot of awards. And I've, I've I've mentioned before that I think I think doing a two night event might be a little bit better where they can split some of the esports and community stuff into one and then do the bigger RPG action game game of the year on another night. But that's just my idea. There could be a billion ways they could make the game award presentations a little bit better. I have so many thoughts on this, and I don't think that they're the most popular thoughts for a lot of people. But it comes with a lot of actual knowledge uh, of of the industry and how the stuff works yeah. and the the realities of the back end. Aren't you guys uh, on the panel? I think for the 
Oh, yeah, yeah, we, and, yeah. We have been one of many people that vote for yeah, this, and like I, I can say, like Jeff cares, man. Jeff Keeley fucking cares about this stuff. He mm-hmm. listens to the feedback. He knows what people are saying, and there's just a reality to it all. Of I, I know that it's easy for us to look at it and be like, oh, it's an award show, but like you're focusing more on upcoming trailers and stuff than you are the actual awards. If they focus on the awards, nobody would watch it, and that's yeah. just the fact. Like, that's there's right. no. Yep. No getting around that. And the reality is, like, we look at other game award shows, other ones like the BAFTAs or DICE, and people – it does not get the views. Like, dude, yeah, d- exactly. Like, the award shows exist where the focus is awards. And the mainstream doesn't care. Not even the mainstream. The hardcores don't care. People do not watch it. Take award shows and apply it to the, the Oscars, the Grammys, the all that stuff. It's the same thing. The, the ratings are going down, down, down because it's just such a weird niche thing. And like we can talk and we can, you know, be on our high horses and be like, we want to see the awards. This is an award show. The reality is numbers speak, blah, blah, blah. We're yeah. here for the announcements. We're also here for the speeches and the awards. And they, I really think, are doing their best job of trying to make it as entertaining as possible while also rewarding the people for other stuff. There is one side of this that does not get talked about enough. And it's that the awards actually fucking matter. Being on stage, being able to like have the winner, having this moment, all that stuff is very nice and can be extremely, extremely important. I know this from experience. Greg Miller won Trending Gamer of the Year yeah, in 2015. Really great speech, dude. He gave a speech and he fucking used that platform and he killed it. And I'm so proud of him. And to this day, people talk about that. Oh, yeah. Not every speech is that. You know, and and that's okay. It doesn't need to be. But the reality is, game awards matter. I saw a whole like. I, anytime we talk about game awards, there'll be comments on YouTube and Twitter and everything, and being like, "None of this matters anyway." Like it's all a bunch of bullshit. Whatever. It is not bullshit, man. If you go to a developer, if you go to a publisher, their lobbies of their offices are covered with these awards. They mean something to them. This allows them to get more funding for their next project. These awards allow them to put things on uh, game of the year versions of their games to sell more to reignite an interest game awards are so so important to these developers well, and then you and, can go down to the, de- the dev level i mean you could say i work yeah. on the game of the year here's my credentials this mm-hmm. helps me get a better a better job a, you know a different job if need be you know they do matter yeah, yeah. they Maybe. matter a lot and and i think there's just like a, a lot that's not talked about because just because the award isn't given the entire focus or like talked mm-hmm. about on stage and all this stuff at the actual award show the award itself matters being nominated what matters it's not just winning being able to say that you're a game award nominee is absolutely huge it gets so many eyes on these games and i love love how many indie titles are nominated throughout all this and i know people have their thoughts on like wow, what garbage is this? Like, how are you going to have these games but not this? That's what gaming is nowadays. There are so many high-quality games coming out that they can't all be nominated. And yeah. sure, some of the topics and some of the um, the the uh, the categories can be kind of goofy where it's like, well, okay, family game, what's that mean? Is it essentially just best Nintendo game of the year? Yeah, ah, I, mean, right, like, I don't know. Like all five. the nominees but one are, are Nintendo games. And it's like, Okay, but like, what what do you consider a family game? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like so one of the Nintendo games on there. Okay, but that's like a solo game experience. Is, is that is that family? Like when I think family, I'm thinking like more party like experiences. You play with everyone on a couch, co op. Yeah. Like that's not what some of these nominees are. So what is this? Mm-hmm. Is it just these are e rated games? So that's what we're going. Yep. I, it's it's weird. And then then there's the other side that is like there's a the category of like best strategy or sim game. 
a simulation game and a strategy game are completely, <laughs> completely different. different. Right. Not yeah. even, not even but, in the same realm. But neither one of those alone is going to have enough, enough nominees enough to, to justify its own category. And just a little inside baseball for everybody, like, and, and this is public out there, but like, the way these things are voted on is there are these hundred outlets or whatever kind of funny is lucky enough to be one of them. And we nominate games. And for each category, our team needs to nominate five games. If we cannot nominate five games, our votes don't count for that category. Okay. So guess what? Best fighting game. If we don't have five fighting games that we are like, we stand by these. We shouldn't have a voice in this. It it doesn't make sense, right? So yeah. it's like th- th- I, there's so much science and like numbers and data behind why the categories are what they are. And Jeff and the team are trying to showcase games. They truly love games. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to. I'm sorry to be on my soapbox here, but oh, I no, just no, think no, game no, awards are fine. a truly special you're, thing. You're, you're fine. I I have been defending the game awards like crazy um, against a lot of those comments that come out because. I've always felt the Game Awards mattered. I was one of those people watching it on Spike TV, really interested in mm-hmm. who was winning. I might, I might not be making the games, but and then, but I, but but I recognize that there's an importance here. There's an importance of recognition, um, that goes beyond. Like, I'm I'm a gaming commentator. We talk about games, and I recognize how important it is to just get that recognition out there. Totally you disagree with the nominees. You can think it's rigged. You can think whatever you want, but the recognition matters. And yeah. So when everyone tells me the awards don't matter, they don't matter to you. That's fine. That's your opinion. That doesn't mean they don't matter. They matter to somebody. Yeah. And for developers, it probably matters to every single person on that team. Heck, Absolutely. There are some people oh, it that, does. I, I hate this, but there are some teams that tie bonuses to even getting nominated. And stuff. So it's it, Metacritic ratings. I don't like the way some of those companies tie their bonuses to uh, things get complicated yeah. with all that. But yeah. I mean, it, it like that's but, again, that's the company's problem, that's not the company's game problem. Awards that's problem. Not, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. not every company's that way. So it, it, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, um, real, real quick. I I'll be right back. I need to run to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry yeah. guys. That's all right. Yeah. You're, you're all good. good. You're all good. You're all good. So Eric. Yeah. We got the nominees for game of the year, right? Yep. So Resident Evil Village, it takes two, Psychonauts two, Metroid Dread, Deathloop, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know personally you pretty much haven't played any of those games. Correct. Okay. So as an outsider, you're just looking at it. No Nintendo bias. The Nintendo right. bias is always Metro Dread, Metro Dread, Metro Dread. Yeah. Like what one of you like what one of those games as someone who hasn't even played them, do you think deserves to actually win that crown this year? I know I with our betting special, I am ninety percent sure I, I I uh picked it takes two. Yes. Um what little I've seen played of it, it is phenomenal. absolutely phenomenal. It's it's um, it's probably the best co-op game, period, in a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, I know the little we've seen played of Psychonauts two, it was a really good game as well. Um, I wish I could play that. I mean, actually, I can because Xbox Live. Um, or yeah, no, at Game Pass. Damn it, Jesus. Um, but yeah, um. No, I, I think they all probably deserve to be there. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I haven't played them any of them. So but. quick, so quick thing. We we had a super chat from Miles Dolding. Uh, thanks so much for the five dollars. He says, mm-hmm. um, if there's a most anticipated game award, which there is, and yep, like Breath of the Wild might get its first award. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of great games in that list. Um, don't you think it would be fair to have the most disappointing game award? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think there, there there there's a fair there's a fairness there from the standpoint of. 
yeah, it would make sense. Most most disappointing. But there's also, do we really want to use this giant platform with 100 million people watching to shit on games? No, because that's we basically don't. what most yeah. disappointing right. is. It would be shitting on games. Yeah, and like there's games, game developers that put you know, you know, 70 hour work weeks for five straight years into these games, and if it disappointed people, they don't they don't want to be reminded on a national platform, on a worldwide platform, that their game disappointed millions of people. Like, it'd be a shame award. And <laughs> we don't want that. We want to celebrate games. We don't want to shame, you know, people. So I, Yeah, look, the, the reality of that stuff to me is there's going to be uh, 10 million YouTube videos talking shit about the thing oh, yeah. you want to oh, hear oh, people oh, talk there, there shit about. Go there to find that, right? The game awards are trying to be something very serious. And I don't even want to say, oh, it's the Academy Awards for gaming. I hope it's better than that. I hope that 10 years from now, this show is truly freaking incredible and representative of all the best that video games have to offer because video games are one of the most thriving industries in the world and beyond all of that who gives a shit about sales who gives a shit about anything video games matter video games mean so much to so many people and we need to reward the people that, that make them the people that pour their hearts and souls into these experiences this art this fun all of that stuff and i i, I think that jeff and the team again while not making every step right for sure is listening and cares he yeah. fucking cares that's what matters and i think that is we need to support that because there aren't enough people that care that are in positions of power yes i mean i, I always thought that it personally i know there's some people out there that don't like jeff keely or like the way he presents things and that's fine but no one can question how much he cares guys he literally like put every penny he had to even make the game awards happen in the first place like the very first show he funded it all just to prove it, just to prove it was viable, so he could get sponsors to make it more viable for years future. Because obviously, if he's, if he's just paying for it out of pocket every single year, he's gonna go broke. He's not gonna make any money. I um, mean, to, to, to be he fair, makes money. He makes, I guarantee you, I guarantee that Jeff Keighley is sitting pretty right now. Yeah, he, well, hey, yeah, that's yeah, after yeah, many well, years of work show, to, to earn. You know, it. I'm sure friend, there's a lot of nerves on that very first show. It's like I put all this money into it, and I there's no guarantee this is going to work and be successful that we can pull enough yeah we got the support of the companies but at the same time look what just happened with the prior game award shows it didn't work and if this flops year one it that's it he's out all, out of that money and might not come back it didn't flop wasn't perfect but none of the shows are perfect it gets better i think every year though and one thing that's really interesting too that I, that i know you can know jeff keely cares about this show and cares about everything is he also stated publicly god this was like four weeks ago or something he said yeah, we know that people, you know, don't care about the music performances, don't care about that. That's why 50% reveals and trailers and stuff like that, 50% awards. That's what we're focusing on. Um, and then it uh, did feel kind of weird when he said that, then announced, you know, two musical performances, which is fine. I, th I think the music's fine. There's no problem with music to me. Um, no, there the music's a, amazing. Yeah, the music's I, I amazing. Stand, I stand by the music, the music is freaking awesome and that yeah. people are always going to complain because, yeah, you know, the, they just want to get the one thing that they want. Yeah. They think the oh, whole yeah. world's about oh, them. Game Awards sucks because I, I didn't see the one game I wanted to see. It's like Whatever it is. And it's like, no, this is a show. This is an entertaining show with a live audience that is there. You want to keep the energy up and music performances do that. There have been many years there's been kind of weird choices when it comes to, to music performances yeah, yeah, and stuff. And I think the Those days are in the past, man. Yeah. Like, it's been so many years and the thing is, every time there's been a musical performer in the last five years and you're like what the hell is this there's someone marking out losing their minds like this is hype as shit i love this song in grand theft auto i love this whatever the hell it was yeah. but i will say that the last two three years 
has been incredible. What the Game Awards Orchestra does with the Game oh, of the Year medley boy. is like, yo, oh, we that are Game of the Year lucky. medley is. I mean, it, it literally, it, it's one of the, I think, one of the best musical releases of the year every year. It, it, it is. It's amazing. Wow. And they had the the, the Doom people make like perform their music. Like again, Jeff cares. They're doing dope stuff, and like it might not always speak to you, but it is. It's really damn cool what they do. Yep. So, uh, real quick, we had this little conversation when you were gone because this is kind of the ending of the of the Game Awards talk. Was obviously um, the one award that 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 a lot of people do pay attention to is Game of the Year because mm-hmm. that's the coup de gras. That's that, that's the big boy. That's mm-hmm. the one that everyone can seem to pick out. You know game of the year is like hey nintendo fans you might want to shit on the game awards all you want but you remember breath of the wild one game of the year in 2017 you know it you remember that it's in your mind it, it, it's a proud moment for nintendo fans right we won we won a game of the year at the game of the year awards we, our zelda game that sold 20 plus million it did it and now look we have a chance maybe it's not very we'll see don't know that that's the game that should win. No chance. It, it is up there. It is up there. Yeah, there's, there's no chance it wins. It is up there, and it's nominated, and that matters. Again, right. it matters. Like, um, the fact that it was... Ma- like, okay, guys, think about this. A side-scrolling Metroid game is up for Game of the Year. Right. Just yeah. let that In 2021. In. What? In 2021. In yeah. 2021. Yeah, right. Like, we're You'll not talking back it. in, like, the 80s and that. We're talking today. Yes. Going up against the likes of Deathloop and Resident Evil. It's there. Metroid Dread, a game that we never thought we'd actually even play, and then we played it 20 years later, and it's amazing. Wow. Yeah, like, and yeah, it, it ended up being one of the best review games of the year. We'll see. I don't think it has any shot, but the fact that it's there, you know what? I always say, if it's there, there's a prayer. So, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, even just looking at if you look at it, it's there's such a diverse group of games this year. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't get the chance to play Deathloop, but I've heard a lot of really good things about that game. Uh, Resident Evil Village was, in my opinion, one of the better Resident Evils that I have agree. come out probably like the last four or five releases. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was just that. That was that was fantastic. Um, it takes two. I mean, I don't know what it is about about Joseph Farah, but he just he knows how to co-op, mm-hmm. and and not just co-op, tell a story. And this time around, it takes two. It's an emotional ride. It's a roller coaster. It's a relationship. It's it, it, it's trying to go through the real troubles that happen in actual people's relationships and and, and explore that in a deeper way through a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's wow. And then Psychonauts. Who would ever last Psychonauts yeah, right. game? Whatever be up for game of the year? Like that to me is just like another Metroid. It's like really Psychonauts two. I mean, I was impressed at it at E three. I saw the private showing. Of it. It, was, it was awesome, but it's like. That game's up for game of the hell yeah, deservingly so. Hell, oh, deservedly, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So I don't know what's gonna win. You know. Oh, it's gonna be Deathloop. I mean, I, I am almost, I am almost certain it's gonna be Deathloop. Like, uh, this has been an amazing year for video games, and I, I think I'm kind that of it's for Ratchet and Clank a little bit on my end. I, I would love to see that one pull it off. I love Ratchet and Clank, but I love, love, love uh, Rift Apart specifically. Yeah, Rift but, Apart. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, the reality is it, it's not a game of the year contender. It's a very, very good, if not debatably the best, Ratchet game. And I love Ratchet games, but it's just a really good Ratchet game. Game of the year, I think, requires something special on top of that. And normally, not normally, when we're lucky and we've been lucky the last couple of years, we get 
a Breath of the Wild. We get a God of War. We get this game that we're like, duh. Yeah, duh. It's, it's that. Right. It's, it's that, you know? Yeah. Um, but always predict the winner every year. But then there's years like 2019, right? Where it's like, I mean, was it 2019? I think it was with Sekiro one. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it's like, that was such an amazing year because you look at it and there was no obvious answer. And then it ended up being one where you're like, yo, they all split the vote so many ways that Sekiro is getting some love. Game of the year. Same award that only, what, 10 games ever have won from <laughs> Game Awards. And it's, you're up there, Sekiro's up there with Breath of the Wild and God of War. Like, that is incredible, you know? I think Deathloop this year is the closest to that level of thing. It got a 10 from GameSpot and IGN. That's nuts, man. Yeah. That, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That I. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. Death Loop um is definitely beloved out there. It, it, it feels weird to me because it's the one I didn't play on this list, and I feel bad about it. <laughs> so it's I, I don't realize how special it is. Um, but we'll 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 see what happens. I, you know what, folks? If Death Loop wins, that's what I play after Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. Three. We'll, we'll we'll get some Death Loop going. Got 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 to give it a try. Um. Because the thing is, I even like games like Death Loops. I don't really know why I just skipped it. You know, I'm really busy, guys. I got yeah. limited time. I got I got to pick and choose where 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 I get my 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 long my long play games in. Right now, Halo is cut sort of right there because I'm saving Pokemon for streams only because I'm not really enjoying it that much, guys. Sorry, sorry to all you Pokemon fans. Right, not, not really enjoying it that much. Um, let's quickly just get into something. We're not gonna do a big debate on this. Um, but I am curious what our top five games of all time are at this exact moment because what what made me think of this is um i had i had some kind of funny videos just kind of looping in the background while i was doing homework last week um uh, and then one of the old episodes came up with tim's top five um oh and i and i was and i was just don't tell me what it was what your top five was don't tell oh, me don't tell don't, me don't 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 tell him don't tell him oh yeah. don't tell you yeah do you know what it is because yes. I don't know what I said there. Yes, I do know. It's going to be very interesting to see what you say now. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, I do, great. I do, I do know. Yep. Yep. I have, I have it jotted down. I'm pretty um, excited I, about this. But sorry, <laughs> continue talking. So, so I was like, okay. So that was, and it got me thinking, like, I don't think about what's, what's my top five very often. Um, it's just not something I worry about. I just play games and enjoy them. And there's games I'm nostalgic for and games that, that meant a lot to me growing up. And um, I just kind of leave it at that. But it, after listening to it, I'm like, you know what? That's a good conversation point because I bet you even Tim's top five has massively changed since back then, or it's not massively, partially changed in some way because I feel like there is a wave of games that have just happened in the last six years. It's impossible to ignore, and I always wonder how do we balance, you know, recency bias with our love of nostalgia and like, you know, like I know for sure one of Eric's games is probably going to be Mario sixty four. Um, it's like how surprisingly how, no, how, it's not. Fantastic it's like choice. Oh wow, wow! Yeah. All he's done is praise Mario sixty four guys Mario for like 64. four years on this channel. I love Mario sixty four. He's been praising it for like my entire like I've known this guy for like thirty years. I yeah. don't know how that's not on his list. That's literally yeah. the one game. He, but all right, I now I, I my mind is blown. Yeah, I have no idea what's about to happen. So let's just you know Eric, let's just start with your list quick. Well, yeah. What do you, what do you got for your top five? You know I now I'm I'm just I'm flabbergasted. For, for me, like, I know, I like Yoshi, of, yeah. you know, Yoshi's Island's coming up for sure for you. You were just talking yeah. about it earlier, Tim. But I mean, for me, it's kind of more of what did I play a lot, you know, because I don't game a whole lot now. Um, it's kind of more for me, what, I, what did I play a lot with friends back in the day? 
what did I enjoy a lot? So a lot of mine are a lot of older games, a lot of things like that. So not um, that first one, not that first. I see one. the list now. Yes, yes. Um, I do have Halo, the original. I played Halo Combat Evolved. Nice, the original. Yep. Yeah. So uh, played a lot of that with my friends. A lot of, a lot of late nights. A lot of everything like that. Um, Left for Dead, Left for Dead Two. Those are kind of a tie in there. Um, again, played a lot of those with a lot of my friends, things like that. Um, Snowboard Kids. I miss <laughs> that game. Yes. I miss that yes! game. Yes. Yeah. I miss oh, that I'm game. Oh, I'm so excited Snowboard you brought up Snowboard Kids. Might be one of the wildest top five games of all time I have ever heard. Yeah, Shout I, out to you. That is welcome dope. Welcome to me. <laughs> my brain goes every which way. So, um, And then the top two, uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day and nice. Breath of the Wild. Okay. I mean, those games obviously speak for themselves. What a so, list. Okay. Yeah. Good for yeah, you. I mean, that, that, that's a list. I mean, I mean Mario 64, I, I'm surprised it's when Conker's on there over Mario 64. It's, it's, that surprised me. Well, I mean, to be fair, Snowboard Kids really surprised me. That's over it, Mario 64. For here's the day. thing. I, to me, also, Mario 64 was one of those that, for me, it's kind of obvious. So I, 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 <laughs> yo, yo, I love, oh, so you eliminated your obvious. I, I do love Mario 64. So is that how Don't Snowboard Kids got on? Don't get me wrong. No, it, I, I, I know truly, you. I know, truly I know you truly love Snowboard Kids. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, okay, wow, damn. All right, Tim, I'm I'm very curious for you because because it's so fresh in my mind what your your list was. So let's let's go. What do you got? So it, I, I'm actually really excited with doing this because I don't know what I said six years ago when I made that list on the kind of funny games cast. Um, but you're. The, the topic that we're talking about here is what are our top five games of all time? And when you first DM'd me and you were like, hey, here's what we're talking about on the show. You're like, the reason we're doing this is to see like how much your list has changed over the years and like recency bias and all that stuff and what, what has happened. And I think without remembering exactly what I said before, I'm pretty sure my list is going to be so indicative of exactly what you're saying in one of the funniest ways ever. And here's why. In no order. Because I can't possibly rank yeah, these. Right. To me, it's hard. Top to five. We're talking favorite. We're not talking best. We're talking just favorite. favorite yeah. And and it's hard for me because I have seven that I I bouncing between right. But I'm to try to stick to the five. I will say I, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna give two honorable <laughs> mentions before okay, I get honorable to the mentions. Five. Here we go. Just honorable outside. mentions on the cuff. I I got to put Mario sixty four. I just absolutely have to. That is a game that game any opportunity I get, I'm going to get 120 stars. I'm going to replay that motherfucker and I'm going to do it all. But the reason it doesn't necessarily make my top five favorite games of all time is I think that the first half of that game, the last bit of the game, heavily outweigh the like two-thirds section of the game. Like there's some levels that just aren't that great. There's a lot of stars that aren't that fun to get, and it gets kind of bogged down uh, in the, the the centerpiece of the game compared to the brilliance that is the beginning and end. Um, so so there's that. Then um, I will also say my other honorable mention is Star Fox 64. I love that game. I love the replayability of it. I think it is so ambitious in terms of VO banter and dialogue and character um, for something that is literally just a, hey, let's make a fun Star Wars ripoff, but Nintendoize it. They nailed what they were going for. And that game blew my mind going through the different 
difficulty paths, trying to figure out the tricks to get on the different paths, the reveals towards the end of the game that honestly, I'm not even going to spoil, even <laughs> though it's been 30 plus years because the game's now out on Nintendo Switch Online. Yep. A lot of people out there have never played. I could not recommend playing through Star Fox 64 at least three times to do all oh, of the paths and beating it enemies. on hard because, oh my God, the end of that game on the final alternate thing is hype as hell. So there's that. But my top five, the one that I'm on the cusp of that one of the that Mario 64 or Star Fox 64 could at any moment kind of re- replace is Amplitude on the PlayStation 2. Okay. It's a rhythm game. It is so fantastic. Um, it is from the makers. It's Harmonix. So before they made Guitar Hero and Rock Band, they made a game called Frequency on the PS2. The sequel is Amplitude. Um, you're kind of just going from track to track to track of a uh, song. Each track's a different instrument, and you're playing along to the uh, rhythm of the, the song. And I love it. The PS2 game had so many licensed tracks as well as like a lot of deep cut genres all over the place um whether it was blink 182 going into some deep hardcore electronica stuff such a fun game i happen to be really good at it and i love it there's something about it that just speaks to me next up i'm gonna say this one's an interesting one for me that i don't know if i mentioned before on my list so i'm excited to hear but i'm gonna go with tony hawk's pro skater one and two remake Mm. i love tony hawk's pro skater definitely That franchise is so near and dear to my heart for so many reasons, both being an amazingly fun game, but also the soundtrack being so formative to my musical tastes. Um, But also, again, I'm pretty good at it, and (laughs) I'm not good at video games. So Amplitude and Tony Hawk are my two kind of like claims to fame that I'm like, I'm competitive at the very least. Um, But the remake that came out last year is simply incredible it is everything i could have asked for from a remake of a video game and they nailed everything that mattered and that means so much to me because i've been a tony hawk fan since day one and um it's been hard to be a tony hawk fan in the last decade because tony Hawk's pro skater 5 was one of the worst video games i've ever played it was a fucking insult and um the remake that they did of the original tony hawk 1 and 2 remake they did on the 360 ps3 era because I wanted it to be, but it wasn't that damn good. What we got last year from Vicarious Visions was people that really cared, really gave a shit of what made Tony Hawk special. And I love that game. I put a hundred plus hours into it, and I'm going to continue to do that for the rest of my it, life. It's so nice when a remake actually done right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it yeah. feels like it doesn't quite happen enough. Like it, oh. Yeah. That, that was such a nostalgia blast when I played it. I, wow. All right. Yep. And you're really good at it, so that's always close. Yeah. Um, next up. Oh, wait. Oh, I totally did my math wrong. Ah! I have three more to give. Is that right? Yes. 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 Oh, then I'm good. Yes. Then I'm fine. Then I'm fine. You're I'm good. fine. Yep. You're good. Yoshi's Island. I already talked about it. Yep. First game I ever beat. I really love it. Knew I think it has some... Probably still be there. <laughs> What's that? What's that? Say it again? I, I knew that one was still going to be there. Based on you just had to bring it up at the beginning of the show. It's, oh, right. yeah. Yep. Okay, that's still yep. there. No, that's still there. The level design, I think, is unmatched. It is such an incredible game. It blends um, just plot, platforming obstacles with kind of more of a um, 
offense-based gameplay where you're actually attacking with the eggs and all that stuff but it adds a level of like collectathon and ex- exploration and adventure that we never got in a mario game mario games uh traditionally mario world's an exception to this but mario the, the first couple it's like you're going left to right there's some verticality to it and for the most part with the rare exception of a couple like castle levels or ghost houses you're just kind of going through jumping and getting through stuff Yoshi's Island was trying to get you to explore things, find a key to open a door. It almost added like Zelda elements, but in a 2D platformer style. And I really think they nailed it. On top of that, having a fantastic soundtrack and a fantastic art style. And it is, in my opinion, the last unique Mario art style we've seen. We hit Mario 64 and it's looked like that ever since. Whether it's New Super Mario Brothers or any sequel, Mario now has a defined look that's clean and dialed in, and we know what the Mario movie next year is going to look like because we know what Mario looks like. Compare that to back in the day when Mario 1, Mario 2, Doki Doki Panic, whatever, Mario (laughs) 3, Mario World, Mario World 2, every single one, unique art style from the ground up that gave you something special. I missed that, and I think Yoshi's Island did it extremely well. Um, And also... Most epic final boss oh. of all. I was like, is he going to get through this without mentioning that boss? Oh man! Oh, it, it, God. it is maybe one of the greatest boss fights of all time. It, wow. Yeah, it is. It is incredible. And for I, I know I'm going long on this, but I'm sorry, guys. Okay, if I'm talking fine. about Yoshi's you're Island, fine. I got to do it. Um, it's not just the final boss. Which, if you guys haven't experienced this, first off, play it on Switch Online. You can. If you're not going to do that, please do me a favor. And go on YouTube and look up the Super Mario World 2 final boss. Because how they do it with the music rising is so epic for a 2D platformer. It makes no damn sense. But even halfway through that game, the fight with the Piranha Plant boss, they changed the boss theme out of nowhere. And it is so excellent. It is so hype. And I just, I love that they do it. And it gives me chills every time. Uh, Number two, or not number two, but my my final two, I'm going to go with... Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. It's an easy answer for anybody that knows me. Smash Brothers is my favorite video game franchise, period. And of course, I love Melee. Of course, I have fond memories of Brawl, even though it's not the best. But Ultimate's Ultimate. It literally has every character. Everyone is here. There's so much love and care put in this game. The roster is insane. I can play as Cloud. I can play as Sephiroth. I can play as Pac-Man. I can play as Sonic and Mega Man and Mario and Zero Suit Samus. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on, including Sora. I can't believe it, man. It is so fucking special. I've been playing Smash Brothers since the day it came out on the N64. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be playing uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate till the day I die. Me and my friend group are in love with it. And I love that. So much has changed in our lives. My best friend is having a baby next week. I can't believe it. But one thing that will never change is that we're going to hang out. It might not be as frequent as it used to be. But when we do, we're going to play Smash Brothers. And it's probably going to be Ultimate. So there we go. And now here's the big one for me that I'm interested to hear what I said a couple years ago. My last one I'm going to put on the list. Super Mario brothers three Hmm. and this is crazy because my entire life i was convinced that world is the better game and the reason i say that is and to this day i stand by the physics of world the way that it it that mario handles is easily the best i love the way mario world plays better than anything else but in recent years having replayed them multiple times each hundred percenting each for the upteenth time 
Mm-hmm. There's a creativity that three has that world just simply doesn't have. Worlds has a lot of secret exits and has way more creative um, things in that regard. But in terms of the varied locales and what you're getting into, there's a magic, a Nintendo magic that Mario 3 has that I always never wanted to give it credit because the Super Nintendo is my console. You know, like it was the first one. It's the first one I owned. And, you know, my friends had NES or like my, you know, cousins or whatever. But and I played a lot of those games later. But like I always felt this weird defensiveness over the SNES. I'm like, it is the fucking best. Because in a lot of ways, it is the fucking best. But oh my god, it's amazing. It really is. Mario 3, man. It's the one. <laughs> it's the one. It's the one. So do you want me to tell you your your, your former five, top five? Yes, please. Because uh only one is still there. <laughs> He's got such yeah. a shocked look. Well, yeah. So so the so this. This, this is a half-hour clip you guys had on your channel back on June 23rd, 2015. Wow. So I wanted the exact date noted because it's been a little over six years. Mm-hmm. So Yoshi's Island, that's the universal. That one stayed. That was very cool. obvious when you talked about it at the beginning. That uh-huh. one's still there. That one's probably forever in your top five. It, it's a master class. Nothing's really been able to knock it out at this point. Maybe it will. Maybe, you never know. Maybe six years from now, something else knocks it off. We'll see. But it did survive. And it's probably been surviving most of your life in that top mm-hmm. five. So it's going to be, that sounds like the one that's just really hard to knock out of there. Here, here was your top five back then. So it was Yoshi's Island, and you, you, you did the no particular order back then, too. Um, you had Super Smash Bros. Brawl on that list. Um, so that, that's what I was saying is interesting, is that I think there's going to be some, like, updates. So yeah, Ultimate's yeah. the update. Yeah, yeah, and that's just it. Like, the Brawl one, I'm like, okay, you updated to Ultimate. Now, at the time that you said that, obviously, we also had the Wii U 3DS one out as well. You like Brawl better? Okay, cool. You went into some reasoning on it uh, at mm-hmm. the time, but it, I mean, it's it, it's cut and dry. Smash Ultimate, I think, is clearly the best Smash game that's ever existed. It might be the best one that ever existed. Because um, I don't know if we'll ever get a game this crazy again with this many characters and this many franchises done this well. Um, we don't even know how long Sakurai is even going to continue to even do Smash. So we'll see. He did note he doesn't think Smash can be done without him. So he's open to it. We'll see what happens. But he does. I, there was one thing he said in that, that Famitsu column that he was like, yeah, the thing is, when I talk to Nintendo or when they come and talk to me again about making another one, a big debate's going to be, do we make another one when it's going to be disappointing in comparison to what we did before? I mean, as of today, he even said, like, hey, don't expect another one. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like he just doesn't know how you can follow this up because there's never going to be this big of a roster again, right. at least anytime soon. And the next one's going to be much smaller. In, in scope and can you really do that after ultimate it feels like it feels like a game you can't follow up so we'll see we'll see i think they should just carry forward for at least a whole another generation and just do another fighter pass dlc and just add 10 more characters or something for the next gen but we'll we'll see what happens there's definitely going to be obviously another 60 dollar edition that has all the dlc together on the next platform that's going to be a thing um okay so that so that's in there it was an updated game not not really surprised there that that one got knocked off by ultimate you had Pokemon Gold and Silver on the list. Oh, so this is where I, I messed up my count. Yeah. Heart Gold, Soul Silver deserves a spot in that list. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Cause, cause you I, mentioned, I, shout out to the original, but the Heart Gold, Soul Silver one, that's just the superior version. But yeah. Yep. Yeah. Then, okay. I, I misspoke that. Definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll bump Amplitude down. It, bump Amplitude down. Heart Gold, Soul Silver, 100%. Yeah, see that, see, I, I kind of figured, I, I was wondering about that Heart Gold, because you were so passionate about it. And we were passionate talking about Pokemon earlier. I sat there yeah, and I'm no. like, I, th- I wonder if he's having a smidge of recency bias, 
uh, bias with that amplitude over that. But again, it's personal preference, and you're really, yeah. really good at well, amplitude. amplitude. And, and amplitude. It's, really, it's a really good game. Two thousand one. Yeah. Two thousand one. There's no yeah. recency bias well, there, but 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 uh, but no, dude. Play it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I play it all the time. All these games I play all the time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I just had to double check. I just had to double check. Yeah. All right. Um, Then you had Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah, I love that game so much. Yeah. I mean, that's probably almost pinnacle Metal Gear. It's... I mean, it's it's the culmination. Is it the best Metal Gear? No. Is it my favorite? Absolutely. Because it delivered. It did all the things I needed it to. I, I do think that being a little more objective nowadays i i'd bump that down a little bit but it's still probably top 10 for me oh yeah oh i, I figured if we did top 10 all these games would probably still be there anyway so oh yeah that, that's not it's yeah. not as fun then yeah. it's like hey, i want i really want to know how much it's changed mm-hmm. how much like because i i think in various points of our lives like you know you think well geez six years ago what would you been 26 or something like that i mean i would have been what is six years ago? i, I would have been like 28 29 so it's like, yeah, my, you know, how have I matured in my thought process doing this thing now for a lot longer and realizing that maybe there's a lot of bias we throw in with things that maybe aren't fair to others. Like my original top five, 10 years ago was all Zelda games. Like that's mm-hmm. just not, that just makes no logical sense to anybody, but my crazy brain at the time, just being biased to Zelda. Now there's only one Zelda game in my top five. So, Ooh. so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, your last one. And this was interesting when you mentioned um, Mario Bros. 3. Because you had a Mario game in your top five, but it was Super Mario Galaxy 2. Ooh. And that's... I mean, Sounds that's, like that's, me. That's a really... <laughs> I mean, it's a really good game. I can't blame you. I think it's the superior of the Galaxy games. It is. I mean, still to this day, maybe the best, you know, 3D Mario game ever made. It, it, it's amazing. Um, yeah. But yet, Mario 64 got the shout out, and then 3 made the top five. So, and that's fundamentally and that's like the the mental gymnastics that happens over the years as you replay games and you go back through things and things just change you know you start to realize maybe i enjoy games in a different way then it doesn't mean that you dislike these games clearly still love them but you know things change we get older we maybe enjoy different aspects a little bit differently uh so it's interesting just like with me when it used to be all zelda and i just didn't care but yeah yeah but but i was so biased i was so biased 10 years it is, it is funny, though, that when I look at my top games, like, I don't even want to put the number five, like, the, all the games we just talked about, so many of them are just fantastic remakes or iterations on the older versions, whether it's Heart Gold and Soul Silver, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater re- Remake 1 and 2, um, uh, even, um, damn, I'm, I'm super blanking right now on what I was just talking about, but uh, <laughs> all of them are, are, like, just kind of what's old is new again, you know? Yeah. Smash Brothers is what I was looking yeah. for. Like Ultimate, it is just Smash again, you know. Yeah. So, I'll just quickly go through my top five. Um, I I have a lot of debate about this all the time because you know I do do a lot of live stream stuff and people always ask and I usually just ignore the questions because I just frankly don't feel like in the moment trying to narrow, narrow everything down. But I was like, you know what? I know I want to top of this with him. I'm really interested in how his list has changed. So that means I gotta I gotta buck up. I can't ignore this. If, if if I don't say my top five, I'm hyped. Channel, Let's never go. Let me live it down. I put Tim on the spot and then Eric on the spot, yeah. and then I don't I don't deliver. Yeah. So, Breath of the Wild's my obvious one. That's my favorite Zelda game of all time. I Zelda's my favorite franchise of all time. It's going to be on the list. It is what it is. I think it's a masterclass uh, in almost every single way. I have my criticisms. I don't think any game's actually perfect, uh, but 
for me, it's hard for me to imagine any other Zelda game I enjoy more. I've replayed one since Breath of the Wild came out, and it's it just it, it just not, nothing tops it. I mean, Wind Waker and all these other ones come close, but it, it just doesn't matter. That's at the top for me. Top Zelda game, only Zelda game that makes my top five. Gotta throw it in there. Um, so I'm gonna throw um, a couple a, a couple curveballs in here that I don't know. One game he might see coming, but I don't know if anybody else does. Um, and Eric, I'm gonna go let my dog out. Yeah, I th- he's over, he's over there. <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that he he needs to go take a little tinkle. Don't <laughs> worry, don't worry, Link. That's right. That's how much I love Zelda. My dog's named after. Love it. <laughs> All right. Um. So my top five, we got um. Obviously, Breath of the Wild's in there again. No particular order, although I would probably say my bias still puts Zelda at the top. But you know what? When, when I was thinking about this earlier today, I realized I'm not so sure that it is. But it is in there. Next up, Age of Empires 2. Whoa, okay, cool. Like, my, my growing up, my first game I ever played was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out on the NES. My, I screwed my dad over. He was at Mike Tyson, went to the bathroom. I had no idea what I was doing. Got him rocked. No. At the time, you, you couldn't just jump back to Mike Tyson. You had to start all over again. He was not very happy with me. Um, Might have been sent to my room for the rest of the day for that one. <laughs> but... um. That was my first experience with video games, so that got me into Nintendo. But shortly after that, I was actually one of the early. I actually had dial-up internet. We had a PC in the house, um, and that's when you know I, I discovered like Wolfenstein and Doom and Duke Nukem and all that stuff. And a, a game I discovered really early on was Age of Empires. Um, playing that, playing that online, the original on MSN Gaming Zone back in the day. Oh my god, I feel old just even mentioning that MSN Gaming Zone. See, like, if you mention like, AOL Instant Messenger, people be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. MSN Gaming Zone, like, early days of online gaming was very strange, even on PC. It mm-hmm. was very strange. Um, so, anyway, so I, I played a lot of that, but then when Age of Empires 2 came out, one, I really liked the medieval times. I've always liked that time period, even in history class, let alone, you know, in, in gaming. Um, that's why I probably still to this day, like, why do I enjoy Zelda so much? Well, part of it is it's kind of in that time period, even though it's a fantasy setting. It's the same reason I enjoy Tolkien and, you know, Lord of the Rings stuff. and I, All this stuff, it, it just fits in that time period. So that's up there. Probably also why I really like the Witcher series a lot. Like that's, I, the, the series is amazing. Um, but so that, that, okay, that's in my top five. Um, this is the one that's really weird. And this is where people are probably going to say, I'm just saying this to be controversial. Because I'm not exactly sure which version it was. I just know that I have spent, God, probably over $4,000 in my lifetime playing this game because I only played it at arcades. It was some version of Dance Dance Revolution. And I, I tried love it up you. Oh, what I a fantastic. I tried looking it up today to figure out which one it was, looking up the different cabinets and the different ver- I couldn't figure out which one exactly it was that was at my local arcade. But I, I, I literally all summer long, every other day. Oh, you need to go work. I was a four. I was in four sports, and I'm like, oh, it's summertime. I'm playing baseball. Baseball practices have like zero working out at all. You just stand around most of the time, or you swing a bat. It's not really that much of a workout. So what did I do? I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go play some DDR. So I got. I'm still like. I got to find an arcade that has a bunch of them set up so I can go on it and see the song selection list and see which ones are starting to click with me and I start remembering all, remembering all the steps and stuff. But my gosh, Dance Dance Revolution, whichever version it was I was playing at arcades, 
my lord. And the thing is, I got like the they had that Mario Weird Edition one at one point that you could play at home. I, I played Gabe, that yeah. one too. Um, but it was the specifically one of the arcade ones that I just I can't get enough. Even to this day, if, if there's one in the other room in my in my kids' playroom, I'm I'm playing it right after this podcast. It's happening. Yeah. No, no dude, I I am so happy you bring this up. I love DDR, and I always have. And I'm just like you. Back in the day, I was at arcades all day or day, just playing through these things. I had every home iteration they possibly could ha- mm-hmm. release on every single console. I remember uh, on PS2, they would essentially annualize them, and they were coming out. And then there was an exclusive one, Ultra Mix on Xbox. I'm like, I gotta get that. And then eventually, Mario Mix on GameCube. Uh, I expect and I imagine that the one you're talking about is probably DDR Extreme. In Probably. arcades, that is that is the ultimate arcade machine as far as I'm concerned when it comes to DDR. What an amazing collection of songs. But hell yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it just, I, I don't know what it was. It's just still there. And I know if I ever see one in person, I'm, it, it's kind of like when, even though there's a, been a billion versions that you can play at home, it's kind of like whenever you see Guitar Hero sitting at an arcade, you're probably going to put a buck in and go play. Because why not? You're, going, just, you're, you're just, kicking that nostalgia back. Muscle memory, yeah. It, it's a memory. But DDR specifically, if it's at the arcade, I'm probably not getting off it the entire time I'm there. Sorry to everyone else that sees it and thinks it's cool. It ain't happening. It's my machine. No, if it's the two-player one, sure, then yeah, you can play against me. I'm cool with that. (laughs) I'll dance you right off of there. I can't anymore. (laughs) Like you say, all you're gonna be there all day. It's like uh, there's a bit more. Give me three songs on heavy, and I'm done. (laughs) My body creaks a lot more. I I feel like I might make it through a song, but I don't know if I could make it through the marathon. Anymore. No, you can't. You can't. I, I, I'm telling you right now, man. It's it's sad <laughs> what happened to our bodies. Let <laughs> me just say, I mean, it, it, it was a lot easier when I was like a four sport athlete and in shape all the time. Now it's kind of like, yep, haven't had a reason to be in shape in quite some time. Besides, just worried about your personal health. So I, I'm winded from coming <sighs> downstairs. Wait, so. coming down <laughs> the stairs. Wait, wait, down the stairs. So let me get this right. Gravity's floating yeah. you down, and you're winded from it. Yeah, damn straight. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. I I got that going up. I got I, really tiny I went steps first. to the studio, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Still winning from that, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay. Now this is one that that used to be my favorite game of all time um, until Breath of the Wild came out, and I've had everyone tell me like the third one's better and everything. I really don't care. I finally got a chance to sit down and play the third one because it didn't release originally in the United States, but then now it's come out, and I'm talking, of course. Going back to the SNES days, again, my favorite console of all time is probably going to be forever be Super Nintendo. That was my jam. I don't know if it, you know, I, I've talked in the past, like Switch is kind of creeping up as that library's growing, but it doesn't have everything like SNES did back in the day. It just had everything that wasn't Sega exclusive. It had everything. That's the only, only caveat with Switch. It doesn't have everything. But Secret of Mana. Oh, okay. Um, I played a lot of RPGs growing up. It was just my jam. JRPGs were just a big thing. And that was really cool about that one is it wasn't your traditional. Like, it was sort of turn-based, but it wasn't. It was action-oriented. It was live. But you could pause it and choose and tell you guys to do different things and, and stuff like that. So you could kind of make it feel turn-based. But it really, it's not turn-based at all. It's, it's, a, it's live action. Um, and it was my favorite game of all time. And... and Trials of Mana and everything, everyone tells me is better. I don't really care. You guys can think it's a better game. <laughs> I, I, I finally beat it. It's just not. And maybe that's a nostalgia factor. Maybe it's because I was a kid and just I, literally every time I see that game, I just instantly have to replay it. It, it, it was on the SNES Classic. Um, 
you know, a box back there. Mm-hmm. Like every time my kids pop on the SNES Classic, you know, when they're done playing, I said, hold on, I gotta, I gotta play those two games. It's just we're we're not turning this thing off until I get until I get like a good hour in this game. <laughs> so, like it, 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 it used to be my favorite game of all time. Um, so it's still up there. I man, I love that game. Oh, I love that game. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm like right now. I'm like okay. Guys, do we just stop Brilliant Diamond and just start his game on again? Like I just, I think I'd so much rather be playing that game uh, and telling you guys about why every moment in this game is amazing, even from a storytelling perspective. I mean, we're talking SNES with multiplayer in an RPG. Mm-hmm. What? Three mm-hmm. different characters. Two of them, by the way, are female. Mm-hmm. Like this is yes. Um. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting stopped. Think of the mushroom part of the game. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that game. The funny thing about that game, I did. I never beat the final boss in that game until three years ago. Whoa, it was your favorite that game of all final time. That's kind of fun. I could never get through that <laughs> final dungeon. And I, because the thing is, there's a, plenty of games. I, you know what? If I'm stuck for so long, especially years and years, I'll, I'll eventually just go through, walk through, or watch a video and just try to figure out how to get past the one part, right? But I told myself, no, I love this game so much, I'm not getting help. I'm not asking anyone. I'm not looking it up. I'm not watching the end of the game. So I never even knew how this game ended for 20 plus years of my life. I had no idea how this game ended. Finally got to it. It lived up to all my expectations. I'm, I'm just, I'm super thrilled with how that game ended. That's my Captain Skyhawk. Oh, I could never Skyhawk. beat it. Oh my God, then, Captain Skyhawk, bro. And then came back, came back. It was so funny. My cousin and I played that all our, our growing up and we could never beat it, Captain never beat Skyhawk. it, never beat it. 10, 15 years down the road, oh came back, God. and all of a sudden, just like, first try, right through it, and like, what? No way. Yeah. Dude, oh, my God. I need to go back and try. I hope they put that on uh, Switch Online one day, because, like, I have never beat it, and I would love to beat that game. Like, it is, the, the docking parts were so yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, this last one, um, I had a, a little debate with this one, because there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of games. Like I haven't mentioned much, much from like PlayStation or Microsoft, and I got so many that are right on that cusp, right on that cusp of getting up in there. But then there's two games from Square Enix that just sit there, and I'm not sure which order I put them in. And one of them is is I think I'm gonna make this my honorable mention is is the a U.S. version of Final Fantasy II. I'm not even sure if that is the original Final Fantasy II because there was all these number issues back then. But it had the airships, it was awesome. It had Cecily was an amazing experience um not the mystic quest guys that's a totally different one uh, that one was fun too but that that the, the final fantasy 2 one with the airship that one, that one was really great that was four right yeah i think that was actually four i don't know yeah the numbers japan back then. two was sorry america two was japan four and america yeah. three was japan yeah, it had, had, the, had the it had the red cover on it on the on the snus cartridge i don't know it it was so i was confused back then i'm still confused today so that's <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy early days are just so confusing until you get to like six, and then it just then it finally kind of standardized. That point. Yeah. Um, well, kinda so, yeah. until you got to well, ten I mean, two and thirteen two and yeah. <laughs> and then X, you know, that's not even. And then you got Final Fantasy fifteen online, but then like what what the hell? I don't know. That's just Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles original Ooh. release. Yes. Yes. That's my multiplayer game that makes this list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now you can play it solo. You can beat the whole game solo. Not not a big deal. Kind of like Triforce Heroes and all these other ones. You can be the solo. But it's best experience with friends. Mm-hmm. And the most amount of time I have ever played with your friend Chris on any game mm-hmm. was Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Oh, yeah. We 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours playing that game and everything about it just when you're playing with friends anyway Mm -hmm. felt perfect Mm -hmm. yeah someone's the pot bitch and everything and you know but that just kind of added to the charm like all right, yeah, I'm gonna be the pop. Oh, we ain't moving out till you go pick up that fucking pot. No, yeah, yeah you right. pick up the pot. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm trying to level up. I'm trying to get this. I want to get this out. I know what's up here. I know what's no. Like, yeah, right. So like, it was right. just that 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 fun thing. Like, I'm really surprised I didn't put Mario Kart up there because I, I have a lot of affinity for Mario Kart Eight, and then obviously lots of nostalgia over Mario sixty four. Like Mario Kart sixty four is my god. I mean. That, that was at my birthday parties. I mean, even track and field. I mean, my whole I, list could have been just 64 parties. games. I yeah, mean, that's, that's been, me. Been. <laughs> but, yeah, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. And the thing is, I was I was being unfair to this game for a while because they did a, a remake, a remastering, and the, it sucks. It does suck. It, it literally destroyed the game. Um, I, I couldn't get more than, like, what, two hours in? And we yeah. just said, nope. Yeah. Nope. And I thought, maybe, just maybe, I just don't like this game as much as I used to. So then I went back and played the original GameCube version. No, no, no. They just screwed it up. They screwed it up bad. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it just shouldn't exist. They, they should never. Be, they should just bring it to like a virtual console. Which again, we don't have. So, um, and and just just bring the game. Can bring the original game. Re-release it on the eShop for like fifteen bucks and call it a day. Um, it oh, it's so good. And I okay, bring it to all platforms. I'm, I'm all about let everyone play every game that's out there. I'm I'm all cool with that. So, oh man. That 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 yeah. yeah. So I guess oh. that's my top five. No particular order besides I I, I still have that bi- that Zelda bias that kind of sort of keeps it up there. But uh, I think it's just a bias that just keeps it in the top five, probably. And we'll we'll see. Maybe will Breath of the Wild two be like the Odyssey two that knocks it down? You know, like Odyssey was up there too, and then Odyssey. Oh, I'm sorry. Galaxy. Galaxy was up there, and then Galaxy two came. And that kind of, oh, I like Galaxy two more. So Breath of the Wild two might knock Breath of the Wild out. We'll see. Promise. Yep. There's a lot of promise. We'll see. I'm I'm also trying to again hype responsibly, <laughs> which is really hard for me to do yeah. with Zelda. Um, so we got one last topic to get to quick. Um, and it, it it's an interesting topic because it's kind of ingrained, I think, in everything that we do, especially especially I, I feel like in dry spells, but also in lead up to events, which again, big event tomorrow night. Um, is this the gaming rumor and leak culture and a lot of people kind of pair them together, and I think there is a fundamental difference between rumors and leaks, despite how some YouTubers and other people might treat them as the same thing. Like, leaks, to me, are always something that is semi-verified as you can kind of look and find this yourself. Like, a data mine happens, and you find out something. Like, the data mine, like, this is just a really simple one. We knew Bluetooth audio was coming to Switch before it got released because data mining happened and leaked out that, hey, they added this option for Bluetooth support. It's just not enabled. Okay, that's there now. Cool. We're probably getting it. And sure enough, it wasn't there. But then there's rumors, which are typically really hard to verify. We could we could talk about people who are reliable with this stuff. Like when Jason Schreier puts out stuff, usually pretty reliable. Um, but it doesn't always happen. And this is makes people get untrustworthy of various things. And by the way, guys, I know this as just someone who's been covering this industry for so long. It's not always because they were lying to you. Right. So many things are changing at all times. Games that were being made get canceled all the time. So I'm very curious, like, where gaming rumor and the culture belongs versus how it gets treated by everyone. Like, like, is it like, Tim, how do you guys handle this? Like, when rumors crop up, it's like, how do you handle it at kind of funny when you're covering it? Or do you not cover it at all? 
I mean, it's it's super complicated because I, I think that like I mean, even what you just said there is so layered of like yes. spoilers versus leaks yes. versus rumors so versus made up bullshit. Like yes. just somebody saying, "Oh, Metroid Prime Five is happening." That's not a rumor. Just because someone repeats what someone said doesn't make it a rumor. It just makes it a thing that someone's repeating that someone said. And I think that a lot of times, especially in the culture uh, we have now of influencers where, you know, headlines and thumbnails get clicks and make money for people. And it's kind of sensationalizes all of this and incentivizes people monetarily to drop things and say things that are are titillating. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I think that everyone has to keep that in yeah, totally. So you have to keep that in mind. But I, I do think you bring up an interesting point about like Jason Trier, who is undeniably like the most connected games journalist that we've ever had. And when he says something, it's based in truth. He would not make something up. He is not incentivized to make things up. He is incentivized to report his findings. And like you said, sometimes those things end up not ending up being a reality but there's so many factors that go into that in my opinion i am firmly in the the stance that as long as you are upfront about how you feel about it and what it is i think there's fun conversations to be had like i love talking about this type of stuff but you need to say hey this is a rumor this might not happen but like let's talk about it do we want it to happen is it cool is there something better that we'd want instead like all that And, and i i know that that's a complex conversation to have because everyone reacts differently to things and that will cause people to get overhyped about stuff and then be upset and be very vitriolic in their responses when it does or doesn't happen the way they expected Mm -hmm. it to. We see this a lot even in movies and TV. Like, look at WandaVision, which was like such an amazing show, but when it didn't deliver the big crazy twists and cameos and stuff that some people hype themselves in, into believing they were upset or like, I fucking hate this. I can't believe they fucked this all up. Mm-hmm. But it's like, the reality is in my opinion, there's a fun in the theorizing. And while it is disappointing that things may or may not have happened, video games are entertainment. So as long as you're being entertained by consuming and discussing these things, that is the goal. I love talking about and theorizing what might be at the game awards. I might be disappointed if things aren't there, Mm -hmm. but it it all comes back from a place of me just wanting that thing there because I want that thing. Mm -hmm. I think that the people that look at E3 and game awards and and games marketing and are just like, oh, you all are just buying into commercials. Like why are all these people just like so excited about commercials? Because commercials for things we love that are new announcements are exciting and Mm -hmm. bring me joy. And entertainment in themselves. That's why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I say this like one thing I've discovered in, in especially once I got into the YouTube game. I used to I used to just be an editor in chief and, and writing articles and stuff. Uh, but once I got in front of a camera and started having a more, I, I almost I guess a more personal relationship with an audience. One one thing I realized is I really enjoy the conversations around games, like there's just something inherently enjoyable about talking about games. It's like I'm, you know, every every week on this podcast with guests, Eric, whatever, mm-hmm. it's like I'm talking with a bunch of friends like, Tim, I've never met you before until today. And you know what? This It feels like I'm just talking to a friend shooting the shit right. about video games. And this is, this is, yep. this, I love this. And mm-hmm. a lot of times that's kind of what, like, even when I, if I cover a rumor or a leak or whatever, like, my audience knows I don't sit there and pretend this crap is real. I have no idea. I literally will put yep. a tinfoil hat on my head to kick yeah. off the video yeah. to let you know this might be some crackpot crazy stuff. 
I'm not the sitting here telling you this is happening. Yeah. But I'm talking about it because I want it to happen. This is interesting. Right. I want to talk about this. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that people need to understand um, in, in some ways, because, again, because I talk about this stuff, I obviously will get backlash for it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't shoot wh- the messenger. Yeah, don't shoot the messenger or whatever, whatever you want to say. I mean, and the hyper-responsibly stuff. Yeah. It, it, it's a lot of understand that, um, I mean, why do you guys consume my content? Or versus anybody else's content. Why do you consume anything? Yeah, I I presuming you get some sort of value. Maybe it's informational. Informational is that that has value. Informational stuff has value. Tutorial content has value. But I'm a conversationalist. I'm talking about games. I'm not making the games. I'm not marketing the games. So, I mean, you could argue there's always marketing because you're talking about them. But I'm not paid to do that kind of stuff. I I I get paid off of your views by me talking about the things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it gets misconstrued sometimes um, that you're. That I'm entertaining. I view I view my channel as I'm I'm like I don't call it an entertainment channel, but I'm here because I want to talk about games, and I just hope people want to listen. And if you don't want to listen, it's cool. Um, but I, I I try to be very careful about my coverage of this stuff. Like there was one like four chans like almost always off limits. Like never talk about anything on four chan. Ever talk about anything on four chan. Um, I think like three times in the history of my channel have I ever mentioned anything on 4chan. And all three times were because I know this is fake as hell, but man, is this like the coolest idea I have read in a hell of a long time. Well, it's funny you bring that up because uh, infamously, I mean, 4chan, yeah, nine out of 10 times is yeah. fake as all hell. And someone just said some shit and it's not real. But there is that one out of 10 that times one, where yeah. it is 10 out of 10 on the nose, including the Switch's launch lineup. <laughs> I will never forget a 4chan rumor screenshot that looks like all the rest of them with this crazy list of video games you're looking at and you're like mario odyssey okay interesting uh super bomberman r super street fighter 2 ultra like no way and yeah then all of a sudden it's like yep that's the lineup yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing and um you know like people always ask like you know how do you choose what to cover it's just what i what i want to talk about like if there's a rumor about breath of the wild 2 yeah I'll tell you right now, it's 99% fake. I've been covering Zelda rumors for 20 plus years. Telling you right now, things don't leak from Zelda, like ever. You don't get leaks unless the caveat is there's going to be Zelda at an event like E3 because there's marketing material that gets set up at E3 and that gets leaked out sometimes from people who get access to the show floor. So there's there's been times we've been able to find out some stuff like the lanyards as an example back at E3 2016. Those were obviously leaked out before people even had public access those lanyards so like yes that kind of happened but in general like if you're in the in the middle of february and a rumor pops up saying oh yeah this is the title of breath of the wild 2 bullshit i've been covering zelda forever a title has never leaked and i know that but if it's a fun title that presents a fun idea maybe i'll bring it up on something i want to just talk about it as a neat idea um with the caveat that yeah this isn't going to be real guys i mean if it is real cool but I just, I, it's not. And like, I, I think I talked about one of the times that I'm before, I think it was just like last week or the week before. I can't even remember what it was for. It was just some some neat idea. And I, I talked about it. And some people got, oh, look at this. He's such a 4chan clickbaiter. And I'm like, I, you, okay. First off, thank you for giving my channel an opportunity. I'm sorry that the first video you saw was that. But like, I started it with a tinfoil hat and telling you this is not right or real. But, yeah. or probably not real. So, but I, I find the whole culture interesting because I feel like there's always that song and dance. Um, and, and obviously, as you mentioned, like there's a reward out there for people to mm-hmm. 
mean, there, there's, I'm not going to name names or call anybody out, but there's, it, it, there's a number of content creators I know that are just busy every single day making content around fake rumors all the time. Don't even know if they might even be making them up. I have no idea. Um, and they're rewarded for that. Um, and, and it's really interesting to see that culture in gaming, that kind of underbelly that ends up, I think, creating a lot of overhype for things. Um, and, and I do believe that that happened in some regards, I think, with like the Switch Pro, because that was like a really big thing that upset a lot of people when OLED was announced. Um, and, and, and I think that that's because there was the actual reports and then people building off rumors off of those reports um, that just added all that extra hype to it. And we all of us play a role in it. Yeah. Just even bringing it up as a conversation point can excite people. You know, bringing up the idea that, yeah, you know what? Maybe Breath of the Wild 2 might be at the Game Awards. Okay, that's exciting. That's going to make people expect it. But I don't know. Like, I, was, I don't know what's going to be there, guys. I, people always oh, Nate, what's going to happen? I have no idea. I, Sonic, Sonic Frontiers is going to be there. I can tell we you that. You do know that it will be there in the aspect of most anticipated game. most anticipated game. game. That's, that's all it, we know 100% for sure. It might it get mentioned. Maybe. Depending on how they deal with most anticipated game. They right. might not mention the nominees. If it doesn't win, they only announce the winner. Fine. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I just find find it really interesting, um, it, it, because I've I've all, I've for God twenty years or so I've been on kind of this side, the conversation side, talking about the stuff and not being on the consuming side. So it, it, it's always mm-hmm. interesting to see. Maybe is it a disconnect? You think, Eric, like a disconnect between the viewers and the conversation? People were like, maybe I don't know. It's it's a real complex situation where you know what's a rumor what's a leak what's a this what's a that you know so and so many and, layers as Tim mentioned right, when exactly. i started to like define what it is and it's like it's tough because there's layers and then to everything and then just because you reported on it all of a sudden some people start to think that you know it's coming from you even though you may have and you yeah everything is sourced and i mentioned sourced, where everything yeah. comes from so and, and then they get pissed at you when it doesn't come true and it's it, yeah but it happens to everyone yeah, and that's not just you, but yeah. Yo, I, I've been doing this long enough that me and my friends hang out and talk about video games, and I say things I want to see in a game, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing articles written, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's wait, that it. sounds awesome. And I click on it, and I'm like, wait, they're literally just quoting a dumb thing that I said in on a kind of funny games cast. Like, I, want, I wonder they're, if they're Jeff reporting it like that. news. Oh, dude, I feel so oh, bad for God. Grub, man. Everything I feel so says- bad for him. He, he, he's on the Grub Snacks. He's on the Giant Bomb stuff. He's doing his Nintendo thing. Anything he says, if it's like something exciting, oh, yeah, that's happening. It's a rumor we're reporting on. Yeah. It's like, dude, did you even hear the context of the conversation? Like, Grub's not, amazing, man. Yeah, he, he's, he's awesome. He, he, he's, he's a good dude. He's um, a good dude. I, I literally just, def- I just offended him on Twitter today because him and a bunch of others were being just Twitter, Twitter bombed by all that Xbox <sighs> drama. And and I was like, dude, no, I got Jess back. It's all, it, it's all cool. And then we talked a little bit, and he's like, man, thanks for that. I'm like, yeah, dude, like I'm not, dude. I know, like people on the outside don't know what it's necessarily like being on that side where everything you say becomes a thing. Mm. It, it, it's yeah. dumb. You know, and and so that's that is a conversation for a different time. That <laughs> yes, is right. such a yes, that could be sure. that that, that, that could be a whole podcast. Right totally, there, yeah. totally. But yeah. but something I will say that like it almost is in uh, opposition to that. And at the end of the day, I, I need to say this very clearly and succinctly: be nice to people, right. be yeah, good exactly. to people. One hundred percent. That's the end of you, that. Thank. But you. I, I I will say that like 
these people making up rumors and making the content and talking about all that stuff, like, yo, that's going to happen. That's going to exist. And that's going to be out there. It's on you as a consumer to understand how you're going to take that content and how you're going to feel about it. And if someone's making up, oh, yeah, Breath of the Wild 2, they're going to announce it tomorrow, Game Awards. It's going to be called whatever, Ganon's Revenge, and it's going to be released March 2022. If you are listening to this and believe that, that's on you. <laughs> Honestly, at some point, like it's a fool me like, once, fool me twice type situation yeah, where like, it's like, like at like, some point like, you gotta educate you take yourself. responsibility for yourself. Yeah, you know, like how like how long has like the world, especially the world, of the internet, beat into your head? Don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you see. Don't believe everything you hear. It doesn't matter what outlet it is. Don't believe everything because there's so much opinion mixed in with facts, mixed in with people pushing narratives or whatever the case might be. It's like that's why you're supposed to come to your own conclusions. You're not just supposed to consume something and just that's what's going to happen let me get really excited or let me get really angry and it's like no come to your own conclusions do your own research if you're interested in finding out more about what the heck they're talking about and if you find out there is nothing there then guess what it was probably just them talking about their opinion and you just tuned in at the wrong time and don't have the full context of everything that was being talked about and i feel like that's the way about like jeff grubb i'll see like a, a clip taken out and tossed out there it's like okay that's a clip yeah did you watch the half hour conversation leading to that statement mm -hmm. like a yeah. lot of context missing from the conversation. And again, obviously, people are rewarded for, you know, gra grabbing every 4chan rumor they can, grabbing everything they can, throwing it out there. You know, there's the gaming and leaks subreddit out there um, that ends up sometimes spreading stuff like that. Although they've gotten a bit more restrictive over some of the stuff they allow at times, but um, which doesn't really matter because still most of the stuff there's fake anyways. Um, yeah, you just got to, I, I think that's maybe the general message out of this is, all of us have to take kind of responsibility mm -hmm. for ourselves and how we deal with this stuff. And that's maybe mm -hmm. why I've been such a big hype responsibly pusher. And this isn't, I'm not advertising the merch. I haven't even linked it to you guys. Like, don't worry about it. Um, it, it it's because the hype responsibly thing to me is all about taking responsibility for yourself. Like if you get disappointed yeah, with the game awards tomorrow, like, are you disappointed? Cause it was actually like bad. Or are you disappointed because it just didn't have what you, and did you, you know, expect it, something that was unrealistic? It it's so great that you bring this up because honestly, I think the hype responsibly, like what how you just explained it, of it is your responsibility to understand your hype levels and what you're doing to yourself. It's the best way to put it. Because to me, I love hype. Oh, I'm all yeah. about oh, hype. Well, who doesn't? And, and I, it's I, exciting, right? It's a it's, it's a good feeling. It should be a great thing. It should only be a great thing. And it's because of just all these like the other people's thoughts on it that have turned it into this bad thing. The way I see it is we need to not just look at these uh, events and showcases and be like, oh, man, they didn't have this thing. They didn't have this thing. This thing sucks. It's reward them when they do it right. When there is one that's like, whoa, this was a great show. Talk about that. Support that. Talk about why it was a great show. Talk about what they did in it production-wise, marketing-wise, all of that that made it something special. And um, I get so much shit equally whether I was too hyped and I, I hyped myself up so I'm disappointed or, oh, Tim's praising this way too much. People are going to criticize every single thing yeah. you say. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, find me. your joy, find your excitement, find what makes you happy, and commit to that as hard as possible. Yep. And, and that, that, that reminds me where like hype has kind of gotten sort of a negative reputation when it's actually just a positive feeling that might lead to a negative reaction if you don't you know do it responsibly. Um, but it's kind of like when I hear people say, "Oh, you only like this game because of nostalgia," and it's like, "Do you even know what nostalgia is?" It's a positive feeling. Like mm -hmm. that's you shouldn't be crapping on nostalgia. I hope that you have nostalgia for everything that you've done in your life because that's good. It's not just 
reminiscing on the good old days. It's remembering a very fond point in your life and being able to still extract joy from that moment today. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And nostalgia doesn't apply just to games, movies, television, life, memories. You have friends. Like, yeah, I do playing playing tackle football, you know, with buddies back in the day when we had the flag football game. I'll always remember that one flag football game we played out in there, and then we just threw away the flags and started tackling each other. Like, yeah, it right. was crazy fun, and I'm nostalgic for that. And I realized I can't do that today. I'll probably die. <laughs> but I'm still, like, just the idea of it's exciting yeah. to me. Um, totally. So, yeah. So, hyper-responsibly, everyone, we obviously have the big game award show tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, whether you no, I don't care where you guys want to watch it. Watch it uh, by yourself. Be on the official channels. Watch, you know, I think you guys are doing a live reaction to it, right? I believe, on your end. Yeah, yeah, we are. But, hey, forget that. Definitely <laughs> stick here at Nintendo Prime, man. Y'all are doing a live reaction? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we show got up for the show boys, man. Five or something like that, yeah. This is the squad. Good people here. Thank you all for, for checking me out today. But, no, keep, keep these boys happy because they definitely deserve your time. Thank oh, you. I, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, so we'll be... We'll be uh, covering the Game Awards uh, tomorrow, guys, At uh, starting with a free show at 5 p.m. Central Time. Um, and we're there all the way to the end and beyond. We'll see how crazy things get. You guys know the Game Awards gets crazy. We have our own betting special on that. With a, Yeah, we do. Where uh, we, we bet on the awards, and uh, we have a point value system with the awards. And whoever loses, I think. Uh, yeah, winner, uh, dinner, and win, winner gets win, Winner gets pays for a dinner, uh, and you go to dinner. And then the loser has to sit in a baby car seat during the podcast for an entire episode. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> so that um, that's gonna be interesting. Let's just say neither of us want to lose. I yeah. I, I, I went out and looked at the car seats I have. I'm I, I just um. Mm, you do realize that painful. you're that the if the past painful. has anything to do with anything, you're definitely winning this. So I no, no, we do have the one game award that was unsettled, unsettled. But I think that's because that year when we were at E3, we just said, or no, that was the E3 betting oh, special, yeah. 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 Where we were just too exhausted to care. Yeah, right, but, right. And we're just like, sorry guys to disappoint you. We are just Welcome this to was E3. A lot. Yeah. This right. is just too much. I'm not gonna bother to tally. I need to move on. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, at least hey, at least it's not like drinking ocean water like the one time. That <laughs> yeah, was that was me. That was, that was I lost but it anyways, again. guys. I <laughs> uh, thank you so much for tuning in. You can catch this podcast uh everywhere that podcast can be heard because uh tomorrow the audio version will be up. Uh, the re-uploaded version of this on the dedicated Antenna Prime podcast channel will be there as well. Links to the, all this stuff are down in the description. Links, to, by the way, to Tim, uh, to his Twitter account, and the Kind of Funny crew and Patreon and all this stuff down in the description. They're fully fan-funded. They're an amazing crew out there. Um, I really love everything that they do. Hopefully this isn't the last time we have Tim and, and or another member of his crew on our, on our show. And who knows? Maybe someday we pop up over there. We'll see. I don't want to get my get have myself here. Yeah. Trying to make a good impression. We'll see what happens. Uh, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. And uh, thank you, Tim, for taking time out of your day. Sorry, yes, I don't think it's a smidge longer than you wanted to go today. But yeah, it's all good, man. Good. That was too yeah, good no, of a conversation. That, that was the thing I was telling you guys. I was like, I was planning for like an hour, but we can go up to one an hour to have it. Here we are over two hours. I love it, man. This was a blast. Thank you all so much for having me. All right. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Have a great night, everyone.